here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. ProRisuShop.com, your only source for authentic ProRisu merch straight from Japan. Translation extraordinaire Yatsumi has helped more than 300 fans all across the world purchase authentic merchandise, and now he's bringing that savings to you. With over 300 items to choose from, ProRisuShop.com has the largest selection of New Japan and ProRisu merchandise you can't get anywhere else. Shirts, belts, trading cards, DVDs, and more from the biggest stars of Japan, like Tanahashi, Okada, Nakamura, and of course, the Bullet Club. Get them all for the same price you would pay in Japan, with worldwide shipping starting at only $6.99. For the very best in ProRisu merchandise across the world, the choice is clear. ProRisuShop.com that's P-U-R-O-R-E-S-U shop.com. ProRisuShop.com. Once again, to the Voice Wrestling Podcast, I'm Rich Critch alongside, as always, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, how are you? I'm excellent. How are you? Excellent. Well, that's, that's a... just that's that's just something you say when someone introduces you uh, to a radio show. I don't, I don't. Excellent. I mean, that that's high standard. I don't know though. if I'm necessarily what's... excellent. Yeah, I was gonna say, what's but, what makes you feel um, excellent today? I, I'm probably not excellent. All right, so you, you beat it out of me. I'm I'm, I'm probably not excellent. Are, are, you are you at least happy? good? Are you happy? Are you at least good? Excellent? I just want to make sure. I, I, would you're say, not very, I would say that I'm. Um, you're not a very happy person, so I don't want to, you know, excellent. I'm not a very happy here. person. Really? I don't is know. That, are is you? that the vibe I give off? <laughs> sort of. I don't know. What, what, no, I know. That's not What fair. kind of general vibe do, do I give off? I'm just going to stop. I don't know. I'm just curious. I mean, good. you brought it up. Good at the most. Good at the most. All right. So I, so I, I don't. Well, like, excellent is like. I, I guess post haircut Lanza is excellent. And there's times I'm in an excellent Hiroshi Tanahashi match completion. 
Yeah, absolutely. There's, That's excellent. There's definitely times I'm in an excellent mood. Now, Komatsu versus anybody. Excellent. Am I in an excellent mood today? Uh, no, you got me. <laughs> okay, I just wanted to make sure. I, 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 you know, I'm probably not in an excellent mood right now, but uh, I, I'm not in a bad mood. Well, let's try to change that. Let's try to change that. Okay, not a bad mood. That's fine. That's fine. I just don't want, you know, I want to make sure we're truthful here well, on the Voice Wrestling Podcast. I'm looking at this sheet that you sent me for the show here. Yeah. And um, I don't think talking about National Pro Wrestling Day is going to put me in an excellent mood. <laughs> um, I don't know if that's supposed to be some kind of shtick that you're doing there, but uh, no, we got to cover it. I mean, it's it's a celebration of wrestling, Joe. Uh, so we're gonna break down this, and it's coming up this weekend, isn't it? I think sort of. I don't know. Uh, yeah, you know, supposedly it's coming up uh, is it this weekend. <laughs> this thing, I don't know. The marketing's been pretty lousy for this thing. Um, yeah, no, I know. Is it the weekend after? I feel What's I feel week? bad for the charity because yeah they're gonna get like three dollars uh it's the eighth so actually no we have to wait another week so we, we probably could hold off this preview for a week but you know while, while, while the getting's good i thought we could uh run it down here real quick yeah i you know the, the the charity i feel bad for because the lineup of talent is pretty dire looking and um i, I gotta be honest me you and nobody else really knew this thing was even happening until you know a couple of days ago and it, it's coming up this weekend i think so it's the weekend after. It's the eighth. I was I was I was wrong. This, I thought it was this weekend. This is this is what happens, people, when <laughs> when you cover when you cover new when you cover the new beginning shows two weeks early, and there's nothing to talk about. You lead off your show with National Pro Wrestling Day. Um, I mean, there's like six pieces of talent announced for this thing. I, I got I got the whole card here. If you want me to run it down real All right, quick, go ahead. Okay. Uh, the main event, which I'm assuming is the main event, is uh, Smooth Sail and Ashley Remington versus Drew Gulak, which is good. That's a good match. Okay, if you say so. <laughs> I mean, it's not bad. I mean, I that's, mean, all, all right. things considered. I mean, I, okay, if you say okay. so. I, look, I, you have a right to enjoy what you enjoy. Yeah. I, I wouldn't... I, just keep going. Okay, okay, because it, it gets a little worse after this. Um, the other match announced, uh, NRG, it's Hype Rockwell and Race Jackson... Ooh. Versus Flying Francis. Who? Um, I've heard of NRG. They, they were in the King of the Trio, so I know of them. Flying Francis, I had no clue who was. So I looked them up a little bit. As far as I can tell, both guys, and, and, and I could be wrong, and feel free to correct me, I believe both guys have six matches to their name. Like, in total. Like, all the way. Like, that. that is all I could find. I found a little bit of stuff that they did in, in, in Canada, and I found, like, one or two matches in America, and that was it. So... Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Plus, so those are only two. Those are the only two announced matches right now. Okay. I thought you said. So don't try I to. You I mean, you had a whole card here. Well, I mean, I have their whole card that they gave us. I have a plus though, like the sign to appear. Joe. Okay. The old Gabe and Sapolsky gimmick. Okay. Yeah, the old Gabe Sapolsky. Yeah. And I believe the Energy uh, Flying Francis is a uh, special attraction tag match. So, in case you're to a grudge match. Um. Okay. Plus, so here's who's also scheduled up here. Fire Ant will be there. One of your favorites. Uh, the Osirian Portal. Marion Fontaine. Los Ice Creams. Argus. Jervis Cottonbelly. And I know your personal favorite, The Block Party. National Pro Wrestling Days, folks. What? The celebration of wrestling. What is an Argus? <laughs> I actually am not familiar with Argus. What is that? So. And how many? Um, and how? And let's be honest. How many of these guys are doing like double and triple duty? <laughs> I'm not allowed to say anymore because you get mad at me every time I say so. Well, you're always wrong. I mean, geez, you got to be right. I mean, I'm wrong a lot. Yeah, you're wrong every time. 
Not every time. No, I've gotten a few. What, who, which ones have you gotten correct? Well, I'm not. No, I'm not going to do it now because everybody gets mad when I do but, it. What What on earth is an Argus? Is this Is this Is this a guy under a mask? Is this a girl? Uh, he is a guy under a mask. Is um, a male wrestler? This is a single. I believe this is so. A single wrestler tag team. What What is it? I believe it is a single wrestler. Okay. As far as I can tell. So you don't know anything about Argus? I know nothing of Argus. No, I know I know the rest, but I I know nothing of Argus. All right. Or Flying Francis. So one, two, three, four, five, six. Flying Francis is the tag team. Yes. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. 4. Okay, there's what? Sixteen pieces of town. Ta- is the block party two people in this case, or is this? Uh, isn't it? Is this is every it Eastern European? I think it's every Eastern European. I don't know what I don't know what the numbers are now, but I believe it's either. So two there's or three. at least sixteen pieces of talent on this uh, on this show. I haven't. I've heard of. I think ten of the sixteen. I, okay. I have no idea what a Flying Francis is. Uh, but like you said, they have about six matches. I have no idea what a Hype Rockwell and, and Race Jackson is. I don't know what that is. Um, I don't know what an Argus is. Um, and Los Ice Creams is fun. I, sure. Sure. Uh, okay. <laughs> if you say so. I, mean, <laughs> I enjoy that. You know, you also, you know, you're, you're, you're hyped for this Ashley Remington, Drew Gulak main event. Well, I, let, let, let's let's reel it in a little. Hyped is I, I said it would be an I, I said it'll be a good match. Okay, here's the thing. With the standards of national, I'm not gonna. Okay. We can we can end this horrendous segment whenever. You're I don't ready. I don't want to bury the thing because it, first of all, it's free. Okay, you don't have to pay to get into this thing, so you're certainly getting your money's worth for free. Um, <laughs> but but and and there's a charity involved. What is it? The, yeah, the Siba right. Foundation. Um, the, yeah, I believe so. I, I I will confirm that now. But I'm almost positive it is them. I think that was it. Was that the same one that they had last year as well? As something about no no no, it was not. They did something with uh, malaria nets, didn't they? Oh okay. Or was that the year before? Um, there was there was malaria nets involved at some point. Yeah, I don't remember if that was the the, the original one or, or or the second one that they did the next. This is year, an so. eyesight deal. For like blind kids or something. Ah, okay. okay. But I, I posted the uh, I, I posted the charity's rating, official rating information on the Twitter feed. And they, they are they do appear to be a reputable charity. Okay. I, look, I, and that's the thing. I, I don't want to bash this too hard because the show's free and they're doing something for charity, and you can never get on anybody's case for that. Especially no. since it's a reputable charity and all that. So there's nothing wrong from that perspective. Where you can sort of attack this is how far this has fallen from the original concept of what National Pro Wrestling Day was in 2013. Now, there are some people who will tell you that there were underhanded means involved in that as well, where it was sort of just a, maybe a vehicle to introduce the Wrestling Is promotions uh, to the public or expose them or whatnot. But the bottom line is, no matter what the ulterior motives that existed or didn't, the original concept of National Wrestling Day was a very cool one where all of these promotions got together. They all sent uh, some talent into Philly to work for nothing for, you know, a show with no charge. But the rub in the exchange was that all the promotions got some exposure sure. and the talent got some exposure. Exactly. That, that was the biggest thing is the talent getting sure. exposure and in that, that they might not have gotten before. Yeah. Either. And in that from all walks of life, all parts of the country, you know, California guys, you know, the Pacific Northwest guys, everybody, you know, Canada, you know, yeah. And, I, and, and if you recall 2013, there were several pieces of talent that got tons of exposure 
you know, out of that, I mean, that was a lot of people's first exposure to Andrew Everett when he was mm-hmm. known as Chiva Kid. That was a lot of people's first exposure to Oliver Grimsley, uh, who also came from that uh, CWA Mid-Atlantic promotion with, with, with Everett. And he went on, and now he's getting booked by Chikara pretty regularly, Grimsley. That was a lot of people's first exposure to ACH. That was a lot of people's first exposure. Um, I know there were several others, but, um, you know, in addition to those three that are just, that just aren't coming to me now, but, um, you know, and that was pretty cool, you know, and, and it was on iPay-Per-View. It was two days of wrestling and, and they drew nice crowds. And yeah, they were good shows too, if I remember. They were decent shows and these, these, uh, all these promotions from around the country got some exposure. All these wrestlers got some exposure and thus uh, gained some bookings out of it. Um, because, uh, you know, where was Andrew Everett before that event? Yeah, nothing. He was a go- I, I had never heard of him. Yeah, where was Oliver Grimsley before that event? Yeah, absolutely never I mean, heard I mean, of him. ACH I heard of because of you, because you were underground. He was, he was a Texas end. guy, and I'm in Texas, yeah. you know, and he was, you know, already, he was starting to build a name at that point, but that that show sort of, uh, you know, I would want to say it was his coming out party, because some, like you said, some people knew that, but it definitely gave him some, expo- you know, that really was the punch that he needed to really put himself on the map with everybody and you know, put, have a lot of, a lot of promoters in the building who took a look at all these people. So uh, from that perspective, and then, you know, last year it was essentially just, um, you know, a vehicle to kick off Chikara's rebirth. And, and, and then, you know, now this year, I don't know what the fuck this is. This is like whoever they were able, whoever, wasn't booked that weekend <laughs> right who happens, whatever chikara talent was in the area that weekend yeah who happens to be and hanging around something. and doesn't have a paying gig is coming in to do this and look th- there there could be some people on this show who bypassed some pay a paid booking or two to do this for, in the sake of the charity and if that's the case good on them actually great on them if they right yeah them. absolutely but I mean, it just strikes me that this thing has shrunk and shrunk and shrunk um, each year, and 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 now I mean, this is this is pretty dire looking. And like I said in, at the open, I kind of feel bad for the charity. I mean, you know, because the charity would have made a ton more money two years ago when there were a thousand people in the building two days in a row for a legitimate. Here's the thing: how can you call this National Pro Wrestling Day at this point? I mean, right. Call it Chikara equals charity. Or yeah. I mean, it's, it's a Chikara ch- charity yeah, show. Is call what it wrestling yeah. is charity or something right. along those lines. I mean, that, that's what it is. And I don't know, man, it's, just, it's, it's, you know, I, I wish it wasn't a free show so I can make fun of it more, but I mean, it's free and there's a charity and that's right, great. Exactly. So go to their website and give a couple dollars uh, to these kids who can't see or whatever the hell it is. And uh, you know, it's, <laughs> uh, you know, and that, that's a good thing. You know, I don't have any beef with that. I listen, Rich, I got, and, and you know what? I, I'll admit when, when I wanted to do this segment, I was laughing cause I was like, Oh God, that show's like three days away. And they, this is the only thing they announced, but we got another week. So maybe they'll announce a bunch of different names. And then, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, look, I, I'm not guessing that's going to happen, but <clears throat> I, I'm tempering my, uh, my, my expectations of making fun of it. Because I got no beef with eyesight. So, you know, I have I'm legally blind without my context. So real. I absolutely ask you about that, because, you know, a lot of people like to say they're legal. No, I I got it. No, I recently got this. The first year that my my eye doctor looked at my eyes and he said, "Okay, you don't have vision insurance right now. No, he goes, you are really I'm going to put it through your medical insurance. You cannot live without contacts or glasses or whatever. And lo and behold, who paid for my my contacts and glasses? So your vision's really bad. Mine is. This is the first year where he went. Okay, you're done. Because I, I <laughs> like you listen. I it annoys me when people go. Oh, I'm legal. 
Oh yeah, no, I can't see two feet in front of me. Like I, I can't. If you stood over and and I, I, if you're three feet away from me and hold up fingers, I can't tell. You're blobs. You're nothing. That sounds pretty blind. It's yeah, I can't see a thing yeah. at all. I, I mean, my my, I'm getting to the point now where my my he's even saying like he's like, look, we can't make contact stronger. Like you need to get LASIK at some point. So that that's that's in my future. Your soon, body's so. breaking down. It is. I'm falling apart. I'm I'm kind of balding a little bit. I know. It's, it's, you're going I'm, bald over here. You you, you can't see. Uh, the arthritis. <laughs> my back, my, the arthritis. My back yeah. hurts. My back spasms. You know. The nurse was telling me about this arthritis that you have settling in. in your what joints. was that about? <laughs> so you, you're falling apart as you know as we speak here. I, I've noticed that you've already uh, you've erased the National Pro Wrestling Day stuff from our little spreadsheet here. So I take that as you would like. That uh, is the let's move the segment on. Yes. Um. Well, let's talk about this. Let's move on to this topic because you know we got to be fair here. You know, we bashed the WWE network numbers for a long time. And, you know, first of all, I'm, I'm going to bash them again from this perspective, from the perspective of, do you remember when uh, my buddy Barrios, George Barrios? Oh, yeah, your good friend. Yeah, yeah. he, you remember when? Oh, George. Oh, George, Remember, right? remember when boy. Georgie Boy said that uh, they will never announce network um, subscription numbers yes. out of cycle? Right, because, I mean, they have those, as we always said, people would say, hey, don't, don't, Guess what the number is? They, you know, they're they're gonna say X at you know their conference and or he, the quarterly. And blah, blah, blah. He explicitly said during right. a conference call, "We will never uh, give out of cycle numbers. You're gonna have to hear them at these conference calls." And what did we say at this show? We well, well we said, yeah, the second they reach a million, they're gonna scream to the high heavens about the it. The second they have a positive number to report, the second uh, they have a million subscribers to report, they are gonna stand on the rooftops of Titan Towers with JBL <laughs> and his fucking dry erase board in the blizzard, and they're gonna scream to anyone who will listen that they have a million subscribers. And what happened this week, Rich? Uh, JBL got on the roof of Titan Towers with a whiteboard and screamed to the high heavens. Now, uh, listen, people really, you know, they really need to start listening to us when it comes to the night. I mean, listen, you know, and, and again, they find and a lot of the stuff we get from Harrington. We, we can't, honestly, a lot of it comes from Chris Harrington, who's actually a level minded, like, and because people think that we just have this stuff, we just spew it out and we guess or whatever. I mean, that's a guy who's doing a lot of research. And if you actually listen to what he says, he's he's been right pretty much on point the entire time. Here, so. We've been saying it from day one. Listen to Chris Harrington. Listen to Dave Meltzer when it comes to this right. that network. Stuff. Now, and it's like we said, if they're restricting the release of numbers to their conference calls, that means the numbers aren't good. If it's if it's limited to their quarterly calls, if they're screaming numbers from the rooftops outside of the quarterly calls, that means the numbers are, are, are a little bit positive. And that's exactly what this is. I yeah. would describe this as a little bit positive. This is not pop the champagne time. This is not a uh, massive success time, because let's let's remember that Mr. VKM with his gigantic ball sack was saying that this thing was going to have 4 million subscribers. Was that not the number he gave? Was it three? That was, uh, yeah. And then recently, uh, Georgie Boy and Stephanie put that down to two to three million, I think was their, their, their other projection. Right. And that, yeah, Vince came out with the four to five and, and that was just giant grapefruit yeah. swinging. And then, you know, but Barrios and Stephanie put it at two to three, which is still pretty, we're far away from That's that. That's the Vince bravado. And look, we know he's ultra aggressive, but, 
Um, Dave Meltzer did a tremendous job breaking down these numbers in the newsletter this week. This was some of his best work. This is a great newsletter all in, in, in general. If you if you don't subscribe, this is the week. If you want to read about the Daniel Bryan situation, if you want to read about Royal Rumble, WWE Network, this was one of the better issues I've read in a long time. So and we're going to tie this in sort of to Royal Rumble. You you know, we'll, we'll talk about the Royal Rumble a little bit, um, but it, it, this will kind of bleed into it because the one million subscribers, a lot of people are obviously tying that to, to the Rumble. And the WWE is kind of using this as common confirmation it's like confirmation bias there you know well the roman's reign the roman reigns push must be working because we just hit a million subscribers but here's the thing wouldn't it stand the reason that people bought the rumble before the rumble and maybe those people bought the rumble to see daniel bryan in the rumble and right right well well that's I that's mean, that's always it the numbers are always going to skew to whoever you want to skew it to or whatever you want the narrative to sort of play and that that's always been the issues with buys and 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 and, and anything related to business metrics with wrestling is is whoever they want to be the guy that's on top or whoever the the x is or whatever they'll use it for or against him at whatever whim they want but yeah i i agree you, you could just as easily say the two biggest stars maybe if you want to stretch it out to a few others Seth Rollins, Brock Lesnar, Daniel Bryan, Roman Reigns, and they all in some way, shape, or form, and you can add John Cena in there too, and in some way, shape, or form, those five probably deserve credit, but, you know, credit will go to one yeah, or two. Yeah, and, 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 and as for the, you know, people, the argument, uh, you know, they're getting, they got some network buys after the Rumble based on the buzz of the, well, the buzz of the Rumble was negative buzz. It was train wreck buzz. Mm-hmm. It, anyone who bought the Rumble after the fact was buying it to see this enormous train wreck, which was causing hashtags and everything else on Twitter, people canceling the network, and, and you know, the handpicked star getting booed out of the building. So I guess in a roundabout way, you can attribute that to Roman Reigns, but not in the traditional sense. And, you know, and, and now here's the thing. what we know, Here's what we know. And based on what Meltzer had to report, the number is like exactly a million because it's 872,000 domestic and 128,000 outside. Like we said, right when that number, like they were watching and it like ticked to a million and then that's when they screamed. Like like that, it was like that moment that it hit yeah, a million. And a lot, it was screaming. Like Yeah, and you, you, there's a lot of people saying, well, they did this to counter all the negative um, attention they were getting for the canceled WWE Network Twitter hashtag, which made Time Online, it made Rolling Stone, it made a couple other um, mainstream outlets. I'm not denying that that's the case. I believe there's some of that, but I also believe it's what you just said and what we've been saying all along. That the second they hit a million, they were going to let you know. And I think it just all coincided with mm-hmm. with all of this as well. I'm not saying it didn't have anything to do with it because. You know, when you're a publicly traded company and, and you know, and, and, and you need people to buy your stock, you don't, you know, and there's a bunch of negative articles uh, out it's there. A, it's a good time to not hold on. Sure. So. so it all had something to do with it. Now, but here's the, this is why, you know, it's a good number, but this is not cause for celebration yet because the fact of the matter is they still have to average 750,000 subscriptions over the course of the year. To be profitable for the for for uh, for 2015. Yeah, and that, that's steady state of that number. Not we popped a million here, and then you know we're going to go down, or we're going to go up. Like it has to average what you just uh, the 7500. They so. do because you you figure they'll go up a little bit after uh, you know for mania, and then you know they'll lose some people after that. Can they average 750,000 for the year? Sure, but here's the here's the thing. Here's here's where you dig a little deeper, where a lot of people right. might not, but Dave did. Now the break even to pay the dividend which is the real break-even point, because you got to cover those dividends, they would need to hit 1,150,000 subscribers on average for the year, which means they'd have to average 1.15 subscribers yeah. for the year. Average. And they're not even there yet. 
they'd have to average 1.15 million subscribers for the entire 12-month year to break even and cover the dividend. Okay, And then to take it even further, to make the network actually worth it, Okay, in the sense that the profitability of the company returns to pre-network levels. And this isn't yes. even counting all the network startup costs. Right. That's and a lot not. of the budget cuts they had to the make. Budget as well. cuts last year, the people that got laid off, not even the I'm, forget the wrestlers. Wrestlers are always going to get cut. The, the staff. Yeah. yeah the, the, the poor lady in HR and everybody else that got laid off last year to, to make up the money for this thing when they were losing their ass. Okay. So forget all that. We're not even counting all that. But just to get the company to pre-network levels they, of profitability, they would have to average 1.35 million subscribers for the year. So this is why I say, and, I, and, and this is why Rich agrees, this 1 million number is – here's how I would, I, I, would, I would describe this. This is the first positive number that they've been able to report. But that's as far as I'm going to go. Yeah, absolutely. What's your take on that? No, I, I totally agree. I think this is it, – it's a cause for a mild separate, uh, celebration because, you know, hey, we, we, they reached a plateau. They reached a plateau that a lot of us didn't think they were going to get to at this point, and, and they got there. So it's, it's, it's good, but it's still not – yeah, it's not a resounding success. There's not a mission accomplished. Don't, don't stand in front of the aircraft carrier with a mission accomplished right now. I mean you're still – there's still a lot of stuff you got to do. I mean there's still a lot of, of work to be done, and this is just a step in the right direction. It, it's, as you said – it's the first decent news that they've had from the network, the first decent number they've had during this whole thing. So it, it, it proves that maybe this thing is viable. Maybe people are catching on. Maybe this is something that could actually work. Whereas, you know, six months ago, we're looking at it and going, man, I mean, <laughs> it, this is ballsy. And it, it, it's, they've, they've sacrificed a lot of their business for it. But I don't know if it's, you know, I don't know if it's going to work. Now we're at a point where, okay, this thing probably can work. But now it's a matter of, okay, now you have to optimize it. Now it's Now it gets real now. Now you really need to do some work. Because you know it's viable, you know people have been attracted to it, you know it's something that you could, you know, you can at least break even or, or get near break even point. Now how much do you want to take it? Do you just want to be where you, at, where you were at before or do you want to go higher than that? You know, what do you want to do now in that sense? Where they can breathe a little bit easy knowing that, hey, look, it's a, it, there's a modicum of success with this thing. But now it gets a little bit more serious is my take is that, okay, we're there, you know, we got to a million, we got to this point, we're getting close. Now we got, we got to do this next step. I mean, they, they can't just now think, okay, cool, we're good, and this thing's going to run itself. You know, the classic on demand was that way for a while too. It got to a certain point. They were talking about what a resounding success it was, and then they never touched it. I mean, it was terrible. They started taking stuff off. There was less content. There wasn't a focus on it. it it's like a lot of Vince McMahon pet projects where you know he sort of stops focusing on it when it's you know you know it reaches some level of success or when he's kind of bored with it or whatever. You obviously can't do that with the network. I mean, that that's they've they've bank too much stuff on it but now it's it, it becomes a little bit more interesting in that sense of okay you know what's that next step how do you get even more people because as we see in the numbers you know you're not even at break even yet you're not even at you know matching what you were before so now it's got to be i mean this is with all this effort to get to a million so now what do they do to get that next little hurdle it should be noted that the 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 network itself in its own little bubble is now profitable Correct. Yes. But, you know, we just laid out the numbers for the company as a whole. And, you know, we actually kicked around numbers the last time that they put out a the last quarterly call, the last lousy number they put out. Um, we tried to account for the network startup costs and, and, and the layoffs. And, everything. And, and didn't we come up with a number somewhere around one point seven five million? Yeah. And I believe I'd, I'd have to look at what Chris did. But, yeah, I thought that's what he had is somewhere around that range as well. So. So, I mean, they're getting there. Look, it's a good number. They're moving yeah. in the right direction now. <clears throat> I don't attribute any of this to Roman Reigns. I just don't. I, you know, look, the Rumble is a big draw, and and it's not like people had a crystal ball 
And it, it's, you know, people bought the Rumble. And people who bought after the Rumble bought it for all the wrong – for the train wreck reasons. Now, if they get up to this 1.15 number or this 1.35 number and average that for the year, which would be – I would consider that then a strong success. If they average 1.35 million subscribers for the year, to me that's a strong success. The problem now is they've rolled it out everywhere, correct? Uh, this would be just about everywhere now, yes. So Yeah, Canada has theirs, UK has theirs, Ireland has theirs. There's probably some little offshoot countries or whatever, but for the most part, yeah, every every, every one of the big deals who, who are going to buy this thing has They're not it, getting a so. significant bump if they, you, you know, if they add uh, Mozambique. So, no. Yeah, yeah, New Zealand isn't quite, you know, a budgeting, you know, yes. That's the yeah, point maybe. we're making here, okay? Uh, so, um, you know, um, so you're really not going to get any of those large sort of chunk uh, additions at this point. Now it's just going to be, the product is going to dictate where it goes. So if they, my point here is if they do get up to those numbers, if they get up to the 1.35 million uh, and average that for the year, um, then I think you could attribute that to Roman Reigns because clearly they're pushing forward with Roman Reigns and, 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 and he's the guy. So then I think you can, you can attribute that to him. Absolutely. But as of yeah. right now, I'd be careful with that. I really would. Um, and, and, I guess we can kind of segue that into the rumble. Um, one other thing I guess we should point out because we were kind of, you know, and I have to give you credit for this. And we were kind of ahead of the curve on this too, when it comes to like the Twitter trending, because you had BJ Mendelson on this show. What this had to be a year or two. This is over. Uh, this is almost two years ago, I think at this point. Okay. And he came on this show and did an interview. I'm sure it's in the archives. I'm sure people can go back and listen to it. And he really broke down. I mean, what's the title of his book, Rich? The title of his book. Social media is bullshit. Is social media is bullshit. And this guy's a social media expert. And he really spent a lot of time on that show, if I recall, breaking down Twitter trends. Yeah, absolutely. And how they're absolute bullshit. Right. You can pay for them. You know, the, 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 it, there's a lot of stuff. Go ahead. I'll, I'll interject. When, yeah. So you know. Twitter, Twitter trends are basically nonsense. Well, you know, Dave did a little digging. Dave Meltzer did a little digging. Another great nugget he had in this week's issue. The uh, what was the what was the hashtag? Cancel WWE Network. It was cancel WWE Network. Yeah. Hashtag cancel WWE Network. It only took 75 people. 75 statistically insignificant. 75 people worldwide to get that trending worldwide. Now, it didn't take it. No, it, did, it, it took more than 75 people to maintain it on the top right, 10. But just to get it trending so it shows up on the left side of your Twitter app, okay, in the top 10 there, it only took 75 people. Right, so so that may, that opens up a little bit now when you see Raw and you're like Adam Rose is trending like Rosebuds or like Adam Rose versus Blank is trending like that's really weird you know where you're watching the middle of the match and you're like how the hell like how many it's like who gives a flying right. fuck because if the, first of all they're telling you that they're putting it on the screen and telling you to tweet right they're it. saying tweet this out right now goddamn so it so if, if <laughs> seventy five people can get something trending on a Sunday night at eleven p.m. Eastern or whatever uh, you could imagine that uh, I don't know if they can get a thousand people during Raw to tweet. Uh, uh, hashtag Adam Rose, of course it's going to trend. I mean, give me a break. Uh, so, you know, the, the Twitter trends, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it anymore. Okay, right. now to sustain it, it took Meaningless. a lot more people. But here's what happened with that. And and this 1 million subscriber thing goes, no one canceled the fucking thing. It's just a lot of noise. It's people threatening to do something and then none of them doing it. And I think most people kind of suspected that would be the case anyway. I don't think, um, you know, many people thought that that people were really going to cancel the thing en masse. Because if you're passionate enough to stay up all Sunday night into Monday morning because you're angry about the Rumble and tweet out that hashtag a million times, then you're probably someone who's 
too passionate about wrestling to truly, you know, put your money where your mouth is and cancel the network. So. Yeah, well, and also you probably want to watch NXT. You're probably like, well, I mean, WrestleMania is coming up and I want to watch all the WrestleManias or, you know, there's, yeah, it, it's, it's very hard to make that choice of like, you know what? I'm done. I quit. I'm over. Like there, there's, yeah, if you're, if you're truly, truly passionate, you, you're, you're good. No, you're okay. No. And, and yeah, and there, there's another argument too that the, the, the most, you know, the, the, the loudest fans are also the most passionate fans. And those are the ones that are probably least likely to cancel and maybe there's those little in between fans that don't really aren't as vocal and just kind of can easily you know quietly go away that they, they, they might be going away but as we found out the numbers that nobody went away right so it's uh you know it, it it's it's i don't want to i'm not trying to spin in any way that the reaction roman reigns got in philly was positive because it wasn't there's nothing positive about what happened that night and i think the company dropped the ball tremendously in the way that they laid out and structured that match. And it was something that we talked about both on our message board and on this podcast. There were a million landmines that they really needed to avoid for this match to not be a complete disaster from a, from a, from a, <laughs> and then, from a fan reaction standpoint. And not only did they not avoid those landmines, it's like they planted them intentionally and then stepped on every one of them. Yeah, I was going to say, they, they got on the floor and just rolled <laughs> through the landmines of just every, I mean, tick every box of the landmine and, and, and they did it. I mean, and it just unbelievably horribly booked. And and, and I've watched I, this past month in January. I mean, Royal Rumbles, obviously last year I did the, the series of podcasts, you know, reviewing the Royal Rumbles. I, me and my friends always, we go back and we watch every Rumble in January. We go through every single one. I've probably seen every one about 10 times now. And, and I went back and saw some some more recent ones that I have. And at the end of the January, I had watched every single Royal Rumble that existed. Easily without a doubt, this was the worst booked one I have ever watched. And that, and that's not hyperbole and, and, and it being recent. Like in every other one, there's at least some... You know, even in 88, which is not good. 88 and 89 are, are, are no good because there's no stakes and there's not really much involved. At least there's some guys that look better, that 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 improve, that that did something significant in that match. At the end of this one, I don't know if one person in that entire match was better for being in that match. You know you know what I mean? I completely agree. I Like, DDP might be the guy who came across the best because it was like, hey, right. I'm in shape and DDP yoga, bye. Like, Bubba Ray Dudley. I don't think he came across very well. Well, he didn't. He looked like shit, but he definitely got over. Um, yeah. You know, and, and there, there, there were, you know, there's a lot of buzz the, the, the next day, whether they were going to bring him back or not. It's not like, okay, I'll, because I'll allow look that. at it this way. No one's clamoring for the boogeyman to come back. No one's clamoring for DDP to come back, probably because they True. know he wouldn't anyway. But in the case of, of Bubba Ray Dudley, there's kind of this buzz. Is he going to come back? So I think he looked good you. enough to okay. where he'd come back. But I mean, he'd be pretty far down the list of guys you'd want to get over in this match. Yeah, that's not really on my my list of, of what I want to do the here. The other yeah. guy you could argue is Bray Wyatt. They made yeah, Bray, Bray Wyatt, Wyatt look Bray, strong. Yeah. You know what? Roman Reigns should have been booked as strong as Bray Wyatt was in that match. Yeah, Bray Wyatt was actually yeah. I, I would I would argue, and I don't know if he was he was great, but I guess he he'd be the closest. Is Bray Wyatt a guy like Rusev who was in there forever? But didn't do anything. Didn't look dominant at any point. Was just kind of there for the, the the ride. He was almost like the Hercules. And then, and, you then he, the and then he looked like an absolute goof when he hit on the yes. ring, came out, uh, took a spear, and got tossed back over anyway. Exactly. Right. And it was the Santino roll, and that was a joke when Santino did it. But and he looked like an but, absolute goof. And 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 look, I know the idea was Roman Reigns eliminates Big Show, monsters. Big Show, yeah. Kane, and Rusev. But the way he eliminated. Like I said, every step of the way, this thing was booked poorly. The way he eliminated Kane and Big Show was they decided to fight each other. 
<laughs> right. And he just snuck into the back door. Yeah, and then they tumbled into the ropes, and he just he snuck up behind them in a totally non. You know, it's, like, it's not like he took them both on. He, when he took them both on, he got his ass kicked. Then when they <laughs> then when they decide to fight each other, then he scooped them both over the ropes. It's unbelievable. It was good. It's like uh, you know it, you know they at least made him look strong over Rusev, but I mean he didn't look strong over the other two guys. And Roman Reigns did nothing in this match. Nothing. Yeah, and I thought that was an important point that I thought you, you you addressed on Twitter right right after the match, and I thought it was good because in in the in the midst of everybody going oh god damn it whatever, take that aside, take away the Daniel Bryan aside, take away the booking aside, take away the booing, take away any of that stuff, strip it down to the match and look at what Roman Reigns did. Nothing in that match put him over as this is the next guy. I mean, nothing in that match made you say wow, this guy is really a star. I mean he. Nothing, absolutely nothing in that match made him any more important than he was at any other point prior. He did nothing. He did nothing in the match. He he basically, he did his entrance. I think he eliminated someone right off the bat. And then for the rest of the match, he was hiding in the corner with Wyatt. They were just, you know, they were off in that far right-hand corner, upper right-hand corner, just gassed like Roman Reigns always is, just in, in the corner, not having anything to do with the match. He looked a lot stronger last year. Why did they book him the way they booked him last year? I don't know. Yeah, I was gonna. That's I thought. Was I, I don't understand. And he was great last year. He just walked in and tossed a bunch of people. I mean, he talked what eleven people out. He set some kind of record or something, and he did toss eleven or thirteen. Did, Maybe it was and thirteen. He did toss yeah. six people in this rumble, but three of them were in the last ten seconds. Right. Right. And um, and the other thing was, it may have worked out better. Because if he just came in there and just eliminated, you know, thirteen guys, they may have booed worse. If, if they put him over, it may have actually worked in their favor to have him hide in the corner uh, from a fan reaction standpoint anyway. Um, but yeah, look, they went the route of eliminating Daniel Bryan early in hopes that the crowd would get the booing out of their system. But that mm-hmm. was, and we talked about, we talked about that scenario last week and, and I think we both agree that was not probably the best scenario. Right. But. We settled on the idea that that would be actually worse because then you're dealing with booze for another hour instead of, if you just let Daniel Bryan get to the end of the match and maybe they're the final two, maybe he makes it to the final three and you eliminate him at that point. Then at least you have a hot crowd for the entire match, and you're only dealing with booze for the last uh, three minutes of the broadcast. Mm-hmm. But since they did the thing, they went a different route. They decided, let's get rid of Brian early, and The Rock is going to save Roman Reigns. He's going to save the day for us. But that didn't work out either. They popped for The Rock's music, and then they booed him too. Because as yeah. soon as he associated himself with Reigns, that was the kiss of death for him. And did you see the look on the rocks? Oh God, that look. Yeah. The, <laughs> yeah, that was the, I'd rather be anywhere else in the world, but here right now, the, I can't believe the reaction that we're getting right now was right. the look on his face. I uh, am the fucking rock. <laughs> he was dumbfounded. I would, I would love to know what he whispered in rain's ear. I, oh, I yeah. am dying to know what he well, whispered. We, we sort of heard what he whispered loudly to uh, Vince McMahon when they got to the back, but yeah. What do you mean? Uh, oh, did you hear Meltzer's report? Uh, apparently, he was just not. He was pissed, very, very pissed, to be associated with that, to be, you know, to be to be put in that situation. Oh, I think right, he, right. he 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 didn't think that that was going to happen, and they all kind of nobody said that that was going to happen. And when he came out, it was like, oh, uh, all right. I think because uh, everybody knew that was going to happen, except for Vince McMahon. 
I mean, right. And I don't know how I don't know how much the rocks putting out that that's I think might it might have been a little naive on the rocks end where he doesn't you know, he might not follow to the exact extent. So he goes, you know, hey, well, I was, you know, oh, no, no, no. Once you come out, it'll be all good. I mean, they're, they're, they'll love you. And then he comes out and they're all, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> it's just like, uh, hmm. like and, and, you know, obviously, you know, they're blaming Philly, which you knew they were going to do. They're going right, to use Philly number, as, number 20, as the yeah. scapegoat. But the fact of the matter is they may have been uh, more aggressive about it than some other cities would have been but that match the way it was booked the same thing would have happened yeah in any city they go to anyone absolutely and 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 one of the big reasons and and you know a lot of it i mean and this has obviously been covered a lot but but we know that people actually <laughs> the other day we we said oh you know everybody's already talked about this and everyone said no we don't care we want to listen to you guys talk about it so we'll, we'll talk about it here a little bit um the biggest to me the biggest issue was and 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 whatever i it, i i resigned to the faith that that reigns is going to win and i didn't really care the fact was the way that daniel bryan was eliminated was there was nothing to it there was no pizzazz there was no you didn't build anything and i think that's the biggest issue for me is that okay look if if you need to get rid of daniel bryan and 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 you know obviously the crowd is is, is the way they are and they're they're going to react to him what however they are use that crowd to, to get somebody over manipulate it in some way it was like he's on the apron and then bray kind of hits him and it's done with no hint that Bray is his opponent at WrestleMania. I mean, like nothing to that. It's just, he's over, he's done. I mean, nobody was utilized to, cause you can really, if you really wanted to get somebody over, get knocking out Daniel Bryan as a heel, you got it. You're good to go. You know what I mean? That's a big deal. If you, if you do that, cause, cause that, that's going to get, I mean, we, we see the heat where, where, you know, in general, people gravitate towards Daniel Bryan as a natural baby face. And they use that for nothing. They use, they absolutely did not utilize it whatsoever. No, they didn't. They didn't. They, they, he's on the apron and then he's out. And then it's just like, oh. Yeah, they didn't build for anything. They just, it was, yeah. The, the whole thing, it's like I said, you you couldn't have booked this match worse on purpose. I really believe that. Like, there's, there's what else that could, it, could they have done? I mean, I like the idea of just not putting Brian in the match, period. Right, you don't have to do that. Yeah, that's the other stupid thing is that debut him, you and, know, this Monday. We can't, and, and look, we can't take credit for that because we never mentioned that scenario, but Meltzer and some others said, hey, look, why? no one knew he was healthy. They could have brought him back to the Raw the next day instead right. of putting him in the Rumble. Now, do I think Philly still would have turned on the match? Yes, because they just would have attached themselves to Dean Ambrose or Dolph Ziggler or whoever else. I don't think it would have been as aggressive because I don't think those guys are as popular as Daniel Bryan, but I do still think they would have turned on Roman Reigns. That city still would have turned on Roman Reigns. They weren't getting out of that. Um, uh, my whole thing all along is I don't even have an issue with picking Roman Reigns as your hand-picked guy. There's certainly signs there that he could be the next big thing. Um, I, I do think – look, at this point, I think it's 50-50. I think he would flop badly, and I think it could, it, it could work out. We're definitely going to find out because they're not going to pump the brakes or turn it in reverse at this point. We know that now. But, but look, I think we've both been on record as saying – and this isn't a unique opinion. It's just too fucking soon. Yeah. I mean, the guy isn't even close to ready. He, you know, I said a long time ago, he should be a heel for a year and a half or two years. Absolutely. And develop his character a little bit. Develop and, his and you know promo. what? Guess yeah. what? That's what they did with The Rock. Absolutely. Okay. That is. A- we're on the exact same path that The Rock was on. We're we're at we're getting close to the die Rocky die era of The Rock, and and that did not go well. So they turned the motherfucker heel, and he found himself as a heel, and the fan, more importantly, the fans found him as a heel, and then they turned him when they were ready, when when he was ready, and he was. 
the biggest star, one of the second biggest star in probably the history. Arguably of, or, the second. Yeah, I mean, you know, second yeah. or third or whatever it is. Okay. Yeah, top five. He's in, he's on the Mount Rushmore so biggest. Top five without ever, question, so. and, and more than likely top three. And you could argue top yep. two. And it's because you know, and they sh- that's exactly what they should have done with this guy, especially since he can't talk yet. At least The Rock was able to do that at this stage of the game. Okay, The Rock never became a great worker, but he certainly became a, a halfway decent one at worst. You know, I have no issue with The Rock's work during his prime. I don't think anybody. Do you have an issue with his work? Oh, not at all. I, I always liked it. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't spectacular, but he was never bad. It was never. Hey, look, I hey, look really... yeah, I mean, he's not Kenta Kabashi. No one's confused him with Kenta Kabashi. But it... right, but he never had stinkers. I mean, he really never. I I really honestly can't think of a, a, a rock match that I thought, oh, that was awful. That was just horrible. I mean, it, in terms of WWE main events, he was perfectly, perfectly okay, perfectly acceptable. And his charisma, you know, made it not not even matter anyway. He could have been, a... and he had a lot of good ones. He actually Absolutely. had a lot of really good matches yeah, for I... for a guy that didn't really have a whole lot of skill. Was was kind of clumsy in a lot. Of ways but but made it work similar to john cena in the way where where even the worst john cena match is still okay and even the best and and, and good john cena matches are, are really good but he, he he the thing is he could have been a shitty worker and gotten away with it because his charisma was so off the charts yeah. now this guy can't be really a shitty worker and get away with it until he improves his promos and you know he's got some natural charisma but his promos don't do him any favors and i'll tell you what he's starting to lose some confidence you know, oh, you can tell. Yeah, he 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 exudes a lot of bravado. Like he did an interview with Sam Roberts where he was very cocky, probably too cocky, because I don't like one of the things he said to Sam Roberts, where he said, "Look, the fans can react how they want as long as I'm making money." At the end, of- that is not how you want to approach. An no, that's not not in uh, in 2015. That is not how you get over as a baby. Yeah, face. I mean, in the world, being a cocky, <laughs> money hungry person is not quite. Uh, now, if he's a heel, you can say that. Yeah, in 2015, that has changed a little bit. That's uh, that's not how our baby faces are. <laughs> well, I don't care what anybody says. The night of the Rumble, he was shook. Not only was oh, he God. shook, yeah. The Rock was shook. I mean, you you watch that. You you watch the post promo, right? The post promo was an absolute disaster. You know, you want to talk about deleting tapes? You want to talk about delete the tape? <laughs> that's a tape that needs to be deleted. No one. Yeah, ever that that needs should not have been again. That should have been a pre-tape to get approved to go, oh, wait, no. <laughs> yeah, never mind. Okay, The Rock was shook. He didn't know how to handle that. Think about that. The Rock was shook. Rock a professional, shook. like a Hollywood, like one of the highest grossing Hollywood actors had no, had, had no almost no if words. If you guys haven't seen this, it's still up on the network on the, the Royal Rumble post The post show. show, yeah, the Royal Rumble post show. The yeah. Rock just has, who, who was it? Was it uh, <laughs> who was the interviewer? I guess it doesn't matter. Uh, I think it was a Tom Phillips, wasn't it? It was a Tom Phillips? Okay. I don't know. The interviewer, <laughs> the, the Rock was so shook that he just kept making. He first of all, he made the same bad joke three times, which wasn't fun. <laughs> he kept telling people, "Don't laugh at the Rock." Nobody was laughing. I. It was just. It was completely. Yeah, bizarre. off screen, he's telling people, "Don't laugh." Hey, I'm trying to but, cut a promo but, here. But don't nobody laugh, was but. laughing. No, there's there probably nobody. We there. couldn't there hear. Probably... Yeah, we couldn't hear anyone. La- Reigns is just. Reigns, his. If you watch him closely, his body is physically shaking. He was shook, like literally shook. And, and he was the same way in the ring before the show signed off. They were they both of them. They were just. They were yeah, shook. when he when he raised when he raised his hand, I remember that was a point when, when they kept doing that, when the rocket raised his hand, you could see Reigns was, you know, sucking air and just like his eyes were just as far open as they could be. I'm just like, oh, God. Guy, oh, guy, guy, and like, and that's another problem. Guy is always sucking air. He, yeah. Now, look, by all accounts, he's a really hard worker. And when I say that, I mean in the gym. OK. But the fact of the matter is, we've talked about it a million times, his genetics are working against him. Look at that family. 
all those guys are fucking obese by the time they're 30 years old. And he has that working against him. I'm not saying, he, I'm not, look, I'm not saying he's going to look like Fatu in two years. I'm not saying he's going to be Yokozuna in five years. But he really needs to work harder than the average person because he has the genetics working against him. And it's clear that cardio is a problem. And if he's going to be a top guy in this company, he's going to have to work those 25-minute main events. I mean, look at the match that went on before the Rumble. Can he work at that pace of that three-way? God, no. No, God, no. I mean, he might die of a heart attack. The guy can't cut it. He, the guy has no endurance. I mean, this guy, I mean, geez. He's like the Mark Coleman of, of the WWE. I know you have, you have no <laughs> idea what I'm talking about. Me, but but I, mean, I, I know of Mark Coleman. I mean, I played as him in the UFC uh, game for Dreamcast. So I mean, and, and look, he's, it's only going to get worse as he moves into his 30s. He's got to be close to 30 by now, right? The guy was on Georgia Tech with Calvin Johnson. Yeah. What is Roman Reigns exactly? I actually don't know. I thought 28. Does that sound right? Be pushing 30. Same age as me. I think 29, uh, 19, uh, 1985. So he's actually older than me. Uh, 1985, May, uh, May 25th, 1985. So he'll be 30 this year. Yeah, that's what I mean. Because like Calvin Johnson's been in the NFL almost a, dec- almost a decade. Right. They right. run that Georgia Tech team. Oh, yeah. I was a freshman when he when Calvin yeah. was a, a big deal. So, yeah. That's what I mean. So, um, you know, he, he's he's no spring chicken either. Okay. He's, he's getting into his 30s now. And that's when that entire family nosedives physically. You know, and the other ones all had gimmicks where it was okay. It actually helped all their gimmicks. He needs to stay in pristine shape. And, there, yeah. and there's all that talk that the reason he still wears the flap jacket is because he's a little flabby around the middle. I think people make a bigger deal of that than it really is. Yeah, I don't really care that much. But but as far as I, I don't care about the, the physical aspects of that or, 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 you know, what you look like or the cosmetic. I care about the fact that, yeah, you talk about that main event where those guys are going crazy for 20 minutes. There's no way he could do that. No way. I mean, every match we've seen that has lasted – over 10 minutes that he's been, you know, the, the primary guy in it, he's stuck in air. He's I mean, had I mean, problems just, with just, endurance, absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, you know, going back to the Rock comparisons, the Rock was miles, I mean, not even in the same universe charisma-wise or promo-wise as this guy. He was ahead of him uh, with ring work uh, by a, a – I mean, the Rock was never bad. This guy, you can argue, is bad at this point in his career. He's not a good worker. And, you know, The Rock didn't have cardio issues at that point. There's just, you know, it's and, – and, and even – and the point is, even with The Rock, they had to turn that guy heel for – how long was that right. heel? Right, it still took a while to get it going with The 18 months, 24 months, how long? Uh, he had turned um, – You would know better. Well, I mean, me. honestly, no, it, it's it's longer. I mean, it was it was early to mid-97 that he had turned heel. And then it was WrestleMania in Boston in the Shamrock match, remember? No, he was still heel. No, no he's but still that's where he turned face because didn't Farouk come down and... Uh, no, no, no. He was actually more... Uh, Farouk turned face. Rock was heel up until oh, the yeah, summer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. And then he had maybe about a month where he was a face and then they turned the, the Survivor Series 98. He turned right back heel. Yes. Until basically Backlash 99. So, yeah. I mean, you're talking about almost two years is, I would say, give or take. So, he you didn't know. go face for good for about two years. Yeah, I mean, there was that month blip in there, and that, that was actually funny, too, is they, they teased the face turn. The fans were so ready for it, and, 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 and it was pretty shocking, I remember, at the time, is that they went right back to him as a heel, and that's when it was really, like, you, you could tell that they, they sort of, they had it, they gave it to him a little bit, and they said, no, 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 you got to wait a little bit, and then when they gave it to him, it was, it was off and running. It was, nothing was going to stop him then after that, so. But, I mean, you know, we're wasting our breath, because that's not the plan. And um, no. that's not going to change. And we, we know the plan now. <laughs> now, would a double turn be out of the question at WrestleMania? Um, no, but I guess the problem with that is, the, you know, <laughs> the fans are going to cheer Lesnar. They are. Now, why the fuck wouldn't you? After the performance he put on. Oh, he was so Rumble, good. We're going to talk about we're going to talk about that match in a little bit. I, I, we'll get the negative out of the way and then we'll get the very positive 
uh, here in a sec. But yeah, I mean, to me, I don't see it. Um, I think for a number of reasons. Um, what if, I just what don't if think they know Brock is leaving? Then that I think that's less reason to do it. Because you think the fans will turn on Brock. Yeah, or or just there's no reason to really do it if you're not going to get anything out of it. The, the double turn makes no sense if Brock's not a part of it. You, you know what I'm saying? It, like I, I think it would make sense in in the sense of you got to give Roman Reigns a chance to not completely fall on his face. You got to turn him heel. And I, they're not. I mean, to end WrestleMania though, I I don't. Yeah, think you're right. You're right. I mean, the last time they did a heel turn at WrestleMania was a monumental failure on pretty much all level, and I, that was obviously a huge difference with, with with Stone Cold doing that. But yeah, that that's not a way that they usually like to end a wrestling. Yeah, you're right. That's a bad idea. You know, Paul Heyman turning on Brock Lesnar and, and Roman Reigns, the new asshole, you know, you know, that's a weird way to do it. And, and that's not saying they won't do it, that, that I know positively that they're not going to do it, but it, it's, it's, I just don't think that's the plan. I think the plan is, is Reigns is our new Cena in more ways than one. <laughs> and, and then we're going to go with it and, and, you know, crowd be damned. And, and, and you said it, you know, last week I thought is that, you know, Vince might have mortality on his mind of saying, look, I don't have much longer being the head of this company. I'm not saying he's, you know, imminent death or whatever, but there might come a time in this, you know, in the next few years where, where he cannot physically, mentally, you know, handle being in charge of this company. And he wants one last shot. I don't think he has the time to say, yeah, let's wait, you know, nine months and then do it again. I think he wants to say, no, this is I'm creating a guy and this is my guy. Maybe just from the aspect of he wants to create one more enormous star before he checks out. And maybe, you know, not that he thinks he's going to die anytime soon, but that, exactly but right. that maybe he sees this as his, as his best shot to do that. The mortality of him as the, the, the owner and, and mastermind behind WWE. And, and the, and the idea of he may believe that it's this guy. And if he doesn't do it now, that next guy might not come along for another decade. Exactly. And then that another decade's too long for him. Yeah, I would be shocked to see if anything. I, th- I think it'd be a good story. I think it's absolutely the right way to go. But but I, I there, there's no signs pointing in that direction. And, and Raw didn't necessarily put that in that direction either. I mean, if you, there wasn't even a hint of it. There was nothing. It was it was full steam ahead. They got Daniel Bryan right out of there on Raw saying, hey, you know, Roman Reigns beat me. It's over, whatever. You know, he, he was out. He's just completely gone <laughs> from the picture. Of the title. We'll talk about that in a little bit, too. You know, you have it going full steam ahead with Brock. And, and to me, I, I just I, I can't fathom that happening. But. Even if it's the right story, but yeah. So yeah. I mean, you know, it's eh, who knows it rains. I, I for the first time ever, though, you're kind of getting, you, you kind of get the sense that um, I don't know. There's there's not a ton of people who are fully confident that this guy's gonna that it's gonna work with this guy. Um, the idea that you kind of get from everyone is they're they're just not really sure if this guy is is gonna be able to turn the corner. So. Um, this has a chance and the, to be really be a monumental flop because of the fact that they really are pushing all the chips in the middle with this guy. Um, it's, 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 it's interesting because, you know, even after he gets past Brock, where do you really go with him from there? I know that's exactly really looking down and, the road. And, and that's, and that's really the bigger, larger issue with this. And, and, you know, it's, it's, I'm not the first one to say it or whatever, but you look at Reigns and you look at the, 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 the idea of, of he's he's our half guy he's our star let's let's you know let's everybody get on board and and here we go it's never worked that way and people bring up examples but it's never ever been that way if you look at any any of the successful big stars and we can go kind of through the the, the recent history or whatever you look at a guy like randy orton yeah he was their hand guy and they really wanted orton to get over but orton was over on his own he was doing stuff to get over on his own and when, when he won that title against chris benoit you had the crowd in a lot of ways, cheering for Randy Orton instead of Chris Benoit, which is unheard of to think about. People were ready. People were on board with him. I, I disagree that Randy Orton's been a, a star since then, but I don't think he was the full steam ahead, let's go, let's go, let's go, he's our star or whatever. John Cena, obviously, 
got over on his own completely. I mean, that was a, a completely organic oh, yeah, yeah. one. And once, and once they got it, they went with it. And, 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 went crazy. and as a heel, by the way. Exactly. Right, right. The Rock obviously stands to reason. If I'm missing anybody, feel free to jump in. Triple H was, you know, it took a long time for Triple H to get over. He was a guy that they sort of pushed down everybody's throat for a while. Didn't quite take, uh, and then took the, you know, that feud with Mankind in 2000, where where finally then he took, and and then it was kind of full steam ahead. And he was he was putting together good matches. I think that helped a lot too. That that he was doing, it, you know, a lot of good work. You know, Steve Austin obviously was an organic one. You really, honestly, As unfortunately, stole, have, by the way, exactly. The, the last one you really unfortunately have to go back to is a guy that they really wanted to be a star and just never, ever... I mean, Shawn Michaels, I think, got over organically. Bret Hart got over organically, I think. You look at a guy like Lex Luger, that was a guy that they said, here's our next Hulk Hogan. Cheer him right now. Here's everything that you need to do. And the fans never, ever took to him. I'm going to give you the best example possible. And I, I kind of talked about this on Twitter a little bit. This The Roman Reigns at the Royal Rumble, the Roman Reigns-Daniel Bryan thing, it is scary similar to Bobby Lashley and CM Punk at December to this month. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, that that's that's a very good the, name of a guy. The that, parallels yeah. are stunning. I mean, you look at it right down the line. Lashley, what did he? What what what, what was the one overwhelming strength of Bobby Lashley? Really gigantic his <laughs> muscles. Yeah. His amazing look. The guy right. looked like a superhero. The guy looked like Vince McMahon's wet dream. What's Roman Reigns' one and only? super positive attribute. The guy Vince looks McMahon like a superhero and he looks like a Vince McMahon wet dream. What did Bobby Lashley struggle with? Badly. Promos. Promo. Maybe the and worst work. main event promo you ever see in the company. That, yes. The first time he opened his mouth, it was like, oh no. <laughs> oh God. Bo- like, Bobby Lashley's work. Not a great worker when they decided to, to, to he definitely got called off too soon from a work perspective. Wasn't ready uh, from a work rate perspective to work uh, at the, at the, at the standards of the company, exactly the same as Roman Reigns. Very, they're very, they're very similar place in terms of, of, of their ring work as well. And hey, do you ever hear the story of, of, of Lashley's kind of call up? No, go ahead. He, he, he did a dark match. And I think Bauer and Pollock uh, talked about this uh, months ago or whatever that, that, you know, they did a call up or whatever. And everybody was like, Oh no. Like they, they wanted him to do a dark match. Cause they were, I forgot where they were exactly, but they wanted him to do a dark match and everybody was dreading it. Cause they went, Oh no, the second Vince sees this, he's going to just be full steam ahead. And everybody from Heyman to Cornette or whatever. were like, he needs a few more months. He's not ready. You know, he needs to be this. He, we, 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 we need time with him. We can't put him up. Vince saw him walk out. And the crowd reacted a lot because he looked like a a, right. a, a, a mammoth man. Yeah. The crowd cheered. Vince saw him, and it was over. It was that night on SmackDown. He debuted. Yeah, in his black He's ready to go. His- full steam ahead. Let's go. This is this is our future star. Was yeah. They they wanted I think another year of seasoning with him because he was. I mean, he had just started. He was nothing. Yeah. At that point, and Vince saw him, and the crowd initially popped because he's a very—I mean—he's he's an imposing figure when you first see him. Guy's a great. They did it, and it was a million-dollar look. There's no question. Yeah. He still does. Um, you know, and and the parallels to Reigns are are undeniable. And then you look at these two shows: the December to Dismember show, and this Royal Rumble show, where the December to Dismember crowd wanted very badly for CM Punk to do well in that match. CM Punk was the rising star for the ECW brand at the time. He was the guy that Paul Heyman was slowly building underneath uh, to eventually be the top guy in the brand. This is when Paul Heyman was still booking that third brand. He was still booking that ECW brand. This is actually was his last night, actually, or his second to last night. And 
CM Punk is Daniel Bryan in this scenario because the Philly crowd badly wanted Daniel Bryan to win this match. And I forget what city it was in, but that December to December crowd badly wanted CM Punk uh, to win his match. And uh, in both instances as well, both CM Punk and Daniel Bryan were both eliminated early from their respective matches. In Daniel Bryan's case, it was the Royal Rumble. And in the uh, in, in CM Punk's case, it was the Elimination Chamber match that headlined the December to December show. Now, uh, if you and they were both eliminated unceremoniously early as well. There was, you know, like like we talked about with Daniel Bryan, where his elimination was nothing special. It was the same thing with CM Punk's elimination from the from the Elimination Chamber match. Now, for people who don't know the back history of the December to December show, there was tons of infighting amongst amongst <laughs> to put it lightly, yeah, yes. amongst Paul Heyman and and the McMahons uh, as to how to book that main event. Paul Heyman's idea. And this is all documented in the uh, – oh, man, what is the title of that book? It is uh, – let me see. I'm actually right in front of my bookshelf now. Uh, a Hardcore History book written by – who was it? Scott – who wrote that book? Scott Williams? Hardcore History. Hardcore History. Uh, I'm trying to think who the author was. But the the conversations and the – That was Scott Williams. Yeah, the Scott Correct. Williams book, Hardcore History, which came out, I guess, in, I don't know, 2000. Uh, 2006. It was January 2006, apparently. So, um, which yeah, that must not be the one then. Yeah, no, it is. You, it, hardcore hit because this, but I, I might have a different edition. Uh, let me see. Oh, okay, that's possible. Yeah, hard. You could probably get this on eBay or in a bookstore for like a dollar at this point because it's a really old book. But um, you know, it's all. Oh, November November 11th, they put a uh, paperback out. So. There you go. That's what I have. I have the paperback. So, um, and it was also you know documented in the Observer as well. Um, but anyway, the the. Two conflicting ideas of how to do this elimination chamber match. At the time, the Big Show was champion. Okay, Heyman's idea was he has this budding star underneath who's gaining popularity with the fans in CM Punk. And if you know anything about Paul Heyman, this was right out of the Paul Heyman playbook. He wanted yeah. CM Punk to eliminate the Big Show in the first five minutes of the match and beat him with the Anaconda device. And he wasn't using the go to sleep even yet at that point. And he probably, I don't know if he could have go to sleep uh, Big Show anyway, but he wanted to, him to eliminate the Big Show with the Anaconda device. First two guys in the match, pop the crowd. The crowd would go nuts for that, and then uh, you know he would make a big run in the match. And then you know if, if Lashley was going to win, whatever. But you know at this, you know, it would help Punk get over. Is the point? And that's right out of the Heyman playbook. I mean, let's face it. How many how many times in ECW did we see the champion eliminated first in like a triple threat match or whatever it was? Right. Yeah, famously, you know, Taz, anytime a guy was leaving, that was pretty much the way that they would book him. You know, Taz, when, when you know, he dropped the first fall and that was Tanaka and Awesome or whatever. I mean, you could go there numerous, numerous. Sure. Numerous so you're going to get Punk over and you're going to get the crowd hyped because they know they're going to see a new champion. So you're going to win on two fronts. Mr. McMahon had other ideas. OK, his idea for this match was just plain and simple. The focus needed to be Bobby Lashley to the point that he even removed Sabu from the match who was the, you know, arguably the second most popular, you know, babyface on the roster because he wanted to add another heel to the match to tell me if this sounds familiar to stack the odds even further against Bobby Lashley <laughs> to make him appear like even more of a Superman. So they had Sabu get attacked like early on. And he was either before the pay-per-view or dirt, you know, the early stages of the pay-per-view. And I think the guy that they stuck into the match was either hardcore Holly or test. I forget which one was originally booked and which one ended up being inserted into the match. But yeah, I don't, it was one of the two. I, I don't remember which was which. That, that I'd have to look it up. So it see, was but. Big Show, Test, Hardcore Holly, and probably someone else I'm forgetting on the heel side. And it was Lashley and Punk on the babyface side. Okay, because there's six men in the Elimination Chamber, correct? 
You got four pods and you got the two guys that start. Yeah. Correct. I can't remember who the other heel was, but I'm almost positive there was another heel in the mix. So, uh, you know, so, you know, and, and again, Heyman was against that. You know, you know, people came, you know, Sabu's pretty pot. You know, why not put Sabu in the match? You know, it's, but you know, you had to stack the deck, uh, for Lashley. So, uh, you know, Vince obviously was going to win this power struggle. So long story short, they eliminated punk early to get punk out of there because Vince didn't care about punk to, to, to Vince. Punk was just an undercard guy that he never liked to begin with. He never was into CM Punk. Everyone knows, but I don't need to tell anybody that. Okay, CM Punk had to – it took years for him to, to win over, uh, you know, management in that company. So to him, Punk was a non-entity. So they eliminated Punk early, and the story of the match became Bobby Lashley overcoming the odds because you know Vince McMahon loves these overcoming – these tired overcoming the odds stories with big monster heels. If this sounds familiar to the Royal Rumble, stop me at any time. <laughs> okay, with Big Show Kane. It's not ringing a bell at all. With so Big Show Kane and Rusev and the guy that everybody – you know. As soon as they eliminated CM Punk from that match, and you can go watch this, this on the network, okay? The crowd completely turned on the match. You probably shouldn't, but no, I guess well, you, you should. should. It, For history standpoint, it's, it's very interesting. Absolutely, yes. and, and the crowd turned on the match as soon as Punk... Do not watch the rest of the card, though. And, and they turned on... And, and Lashley had no chance. He had no fucking chance. Combined with the fact that he was green, couldn't work at all, and wasn't over yet, it was a fucking train. It didn't matter that he overcame the heels because the crowd was already pissed off that Punk was eliminated so early. And the same thing happened in this Rumble. The crowd was pissed off that Daniel Bryan was eliminated so early. And from that point forward, Roman Reigns had no fucking chance. And the parallels to Roman Reigns or Bobby Lashley are impossible to ignore. I'll give Roman Reigns a very slight edge in promos because a lot of the problems with his promos is the material. Um, it, look, he's not Dusty Rhodes. I'm not, no one's confusing him with Dusty Rhodes, okay, even if he was coming up with his own material. But the material is certainly part of the problem. I'll give him a slight edge in – but, you know, and, and charisma, all right. I'll give him a slight edge there too, but the ring work, no. He's just – they were both bad at that point. They're very comparable. And those two matches, I'm watching this rumble and I'm thinking to myself, this is December to this member all over again. This is pushing a guy too soon. This is pushing a guy that the crowd isn't ready to be. Look, history could have been – maybe if they pushed Bobby Lashley a little slower, brought him along a little slower, let him develop his skills, uh, maybe things could have been different. I don't know. I, I you, No one is ever going to know the answer to that now. I tend to think not, but you, you, ne you never know. And, yeah, it's too late to figure and, out and they, we know how Yeah, and, and they might be ruining this guy to the same degree. Because Lashley never recovered. They kept trying, but Bobby Lashley was just never going to happen. It just was – he was never going to happen. And that night didn't help. And, and you know, to finish off that – you know, uh, Paul Heyman was he, – he, he, he told Vince how, the, how Vince's vision of that match was going to play out. He said the crowd is going to turn on the match, and they're going to shit on Bobby Lashley. And Vince didn't listen to him. And then uh, as the story goes, Heyman sat back there – with Vince on the line and watched it play out exactly how he told Vince how it was going to play out. And Vince didn't listen. And as stubborn as Vince is, his immortal words, which again, stop me if this sounds familiar to what, you know, Vince's comments were after this show, the immortal words that everyone will remember forever who know this story when, when Heyman confronted him about how shitty the show went and how shitty that match went, Vince and I quote said, it was a great show with a great finish. <laughs> Those are Vince. Because to Vince, 
in his little world that's how he wanted that's how he yeah that's that's great storytelling is yeah. the, the 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 fiery superhero getting you know getting overcoming the odds and winning overall you know the fans who cares regardless it didn't matter it didn't matter it was a great show the superhero one it was yeah. a great show with a great finish now everybody knows that that was one of the worst shows in the history of the company it ran about 95 minutes because Vince micromanaged that show to death so much that the timing all got screwed up. And, you know, you had too many cooks, uh, you know, ruining the broth with that one. And, and the show ended up, you know, being like an hour shorter than it should have been. The crowd turned on the main event just like Heyman or anybody with a brain knew that the crowd would have turned on the main event. But Vince, either out of, you know, pure stubbornness or the fact that the man is just sometimes is just delusional. Because, look. He's the most successful professional wrestling promoter of all time, but that doesn't mean he's always right. And that was an instance where he was clearly wrong and he clearly misread things. And I fear that it could be another case of this now with Roman Reigns. It could be another. And, and by the next night, Heyman quit. He couldn't take it anymore. And he, he had his, he said what he had to say. You know, that's when he, he made those uh, comments to Stephanie the next day at TV. And then he gave that uh, tear filled speech at the, uh, you know, on the ECW show next day, which was half shoot, half work, and then yeah, he was and he was out. he was gone for a couple of years after that, and you know, before they eventually uh, brought him back. But net, but he's he's never been in a position of power since. That was the last time he was in any sort of position of power. And we all know what happened to the ECW brand after he left. It became something that was just um, clearly a third tier brand. And and once Vince got, it was just we don't need to get into all that. The point here is. There, there is a, there is a scary chance that Roman Reigns can turn into Bobby Lashley. The parallels right. are stunning. Don't, I think that's a very good, yeah, that's a, that's a great example. And don't think for one second that if you weren't around for that, you don't remember very well that Vince didn't believe in Bobby Lashley at the same level that he believes in this guy because he did. They, they, they were convinced Bobby Lashley was the next. Big yeah. Thing. Oh yeah. The next big thing, the next megastar. He got a rocket pack like no other, and it just didn't fucking work. I don't think it's a complete accident that he was the the, the protagonist, you know, or or you know the the foil in that WrestleMania, you know, when when Vince shaved his head or whatever against Donald Trump or whatever. I mean, it's not a complete accident who was there. I mean, that that Lashley, it wasn't that wasn't it for Lashley. That it, he it was full steam ahead for a long time with Lashley. Actually, I think Van Dam might have been the other guy in that match. Yeah, I, re- I didn't remember if they took him out or as well, or if he was actually stayed in there. I, I wasn't sure if they actually had any of the ECW well, guys took, that he wanted. They took Sabu out for sure. Um. For sure, and it was either hardcore Holly or Test. Yeah, here, let me, uh, let me, I'll get the. Uh, should get the uh, the producer to do this, but I'll, I'll just do it while we're, you know, while we're talking here. So, um, from the old James Brown Arena, <laughs> I always loved that. It was <laughs> it drew four thousand eight hundred people. So, not a good show at all. Uh, it was Bobby Lashley defeated Big Show, Rob Van Dam, Hardcore Holly, CM Punk, and Test. So you had CM Punk eliminated quickly. First, um, you had Hardcore Holly next. Punk was, the, Punk was the first guy out, if I recall. Yep, uh, Punk was out first. Uh, Hardcore Holly and then uh, Rob Van Dam. And then it finished with Test and Big Show versus Bobby Lashley. So Here you go. I'm going to read you an excerpt. You ready? Yep. Fans in the arena groaned when the veteran mid-carder Holly was announced as Sabu's replacement and groaned again when Van Dam eliminated Punk early in the match. Minutes later, all life seemed to be drained from the live audience as Test eliminated Van Dam. I forgot about that. They knocked Van Dam out too. Yep. 
Yep. Which, after Punk was out, the fans at least, you know, they latched themselves to Van Damme. Which, again, does any of this sound familiar? Who's, <laughs> who's Van Damme in this scenario? Dean Ambrose. Dean Ambrose, yep. Dean Ambrose is Van Damme in this scenario. Who was I, and the funniest part? I, I was howling laughing when this happened because so you have you know you obviously have Cannon Big Show being the the monsters in 2015. My favorite part of the entire match because at this point I had already just I was just like all right this is the fucking worst thing I've ever seen in my life so I'm just gonna let it go. The, my favorite thing ever was how they eliminated Ambrose where they just both picked him up, they placed him gently on the floor and that was it. Yeah. And that, it wasn't like a struggle. It was like eh, that, was, that was the end. And they just like gracefully. It wasn't even an aggressive. It was just like eh, you go over here now. Yeah. And that was it. It was just like the great. The, the, I, I was just like howling. I was like that was. And they did it with Ziggler too, where they just kind of like. Eh, well, that, eh, that then, was the, okay. yeah. Well, that was the story down the stretch that that Kane and Big Show of all people, two two guys that everyone's tired of, were these two guys that were just easily Casually, eliminating yeah. all these guys, which was supposed to, in theory, make Roman Reigns look so much stronger for overcoming them, but we already went over why they blew that because they did. He only limited them because they fought each other. All right. So anyway, from that point of time, so the show went off the air 25 minutes early. Okay. So I, it wasn't a 90 minute show, but it went off the air a half hour early. The crowd reacted to nothing in the ring. Even when Lashley toppled big show to win the championship, the only enthusiasm the audience mustered was a brief chant of TNA. <laughs> I do remember. Can that, you believe yeah. that they chanted TNA? ECW fans or not, the crowd rejected everything Heyman had warned that they would reject. Mm -hmm. The show garnered a record low approval rating among... Augusta, Georgia, which is the ECW hotbed, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. The show garnered a record low approval rating among readers of the Observer Newsletter. Three thumbs up, 399 thumbs down. <laughs> Who gave the thumbs up to that? Fans around the world knew they had just seen an abysmal show. Most wrestlers on the card knew it was horrible. Promotional genius Vince McMahon had no clue. Heyman reported to McMahon after the show with ideas on where to go from here, but a glowing McMahon wanted to know what Heyman had thought of the event. Heyman, whose lack of diplomacy had caused him problems more than once during his career, <laughs> replied candidly that the show sucked and that it did real harm to ECW as a viable pay-per-view product. However, Heyman said that he had some ideas on how to repair the damage. I didn't even remember all this. Heyman actually was going to stick it out. He thought he could fix some of this mess. I thought, I thought right after that he was all guns blazing. Hey, but then here we go. Yeah. McMahon did not want to hear them. Instead, he furiously grilled Heyman, asking why he was so negative about the grand... <laughs> what is your opinion? The, Here's my opinion. About, Stop. Wrong opinion. About the grand coronation that just occurred. Heyman told McMahon there was nothing to like. Fans had seen their ECW heroes, Van Damme and Punk, beaten without anything to redeem them. And then the show ran a half hour short. McMahon told Heyman that the longtime ECW head did not understand what ECW had become. And he repeated the words that he said to so many others that night. That December to December had been, quote, an excellent show with an excellent finish. <laughs> Listen, people. Vince McMahon is the greatest wrestling promoter of all. And this is me now, not the book. He's the greatest wrestling promoter of all time. But there have been times, including December to December, including the invasion and several other instances where he was completely off his fucking rocker and couldn't have been more wrong or misread the pulse of the people. And my fear is that this could be another one of those instances. Yep. And that's all I'm really getting to here. An excellent show with an excellent finish. And if you heard, you know, Meltzer report, you know, the reactions to the booing of Reigns this time. He didn't call it an excellent show, an excellent finish, but he was he's unmoved by the reactions of the fans. Right. And it's full steam ahead. Yeah. Nothing is gonna change because of it. It's so. scary, scary similar 
to what happened that night. It's 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 just it's it's crazy. Um, uh, let me try to find another good excerpt for you here. Um, I have a card. Do you want to, do you want me to run down the yeah, card run, here run while down you? Uh, this, which by the right, way, so this is this and by before card, you yeah. do that, if I recall on television, the only two matches they announced were the Elimination Chamber and the tag team match with Eminem and the Hardys. They announced yes. nothing else on TV for this show. Um, no, and, and they gave you a great card other than that, though. So you had, uh, obviously, the, the Eminem and the Hardys, which wasn't a bad match. I remember that being a really good match. And it went about 22 minutes. I think that's when you kind of realized, uh-oh. <laughs> like, when it goes nearly half an hour, it was like, oh, no, what else is on this card? I, I remember watching that and going, uh, oh, no, this this is not going to go well, is it? Uh, then it was followed by a Strikers Rules match, uh, Balls Mahoney defeating Matt Striker. I don't recall what I, I think that was just Striker making up the rules as he went. One of those deals. Um, you had Elijah Burke and Sylvester Turkai, one of your favorite teams of all time, versus the Foley Blood Italians, Little Guido and Tony Mamaluke. You had Davari defeating Tommy Dreamer. Then you had Intergender, a little progressive ECW there. Nice, good, good go ahead for them. Uh, Kevin Thorne and Ariel versus Mike Knox and Kelly Kelly. And then you had the Elimination Chamber. Which only went two minutes longer than the opening tag match. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, a couple other notes from that night. Um, Heyman knew that the show, that the timing was all wrong and it was short. So he offered to go out to the ring and cut a 10 to 15 minute promo before the main event. And, um, you know, he, here, here, I'll actually just read the excerpt right from the book. Heyman was to cut what would prove to be his last in-ring promo before the main event. He offered to fill time by delivering a 10-minute promo that he swore would be a verbal masterpiece. Now, this is me talking. Do you have any doubt that it would have been great? Oh, God. Paul no. Heyman yeah. was Because okay. it would have been real anger, too, and real, yeah, it would have been. He, he, he was desperate to save this thing at this point, too. And you're yeah. talking about one of the greatest promos in the history of wrestling. McMahon told him to not go over two minutes and 30 seconds. <laughs> The other, the other thing about this night, which um, w- when Heyman proposed the idea of Punk eliminating Big Show um, in the first five minutes of the match, before any of the pods even opened, um, he proposed that idea to Big Show, and Big Show loved it. Big Show thought it was the greatest idea, but, um, and, and, but, you know, and he even lobbied for it. But, you know, when Vince McMahon, it's his company. Right. You know, so it didn't matter what Heyman said. It didn't matter what Big Show thought. It, you know, so, for, you know, it, it, that's another interesting wrinkle, too. I mean, even even the Big Show thought, wow, you know, that's pretty fucking great idea. I do remember hearing that. Yeah. that. And, uh, you know, and and that got shot down here. It says uh, here we go. Um, Heyman booked CM Punk to start with Big Show. Punk would make show submit to his Anaconda Vice finisher before being eliminated himself later in the match. This would accomplish three things. I'm not going to go into all that because we talked about it. It would get him, right. it would get Punk over. It would, and Big Show was the champion at the time. And Big Show was the champ. You, you that, right. yeah, so. It would get Punk over. It would establish that you were getting a new champion. Um, you know, and 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 beating Big Show would be a big deal for Punk at the time. Punk, like we said, was just he was a guy who was feuding with Mike Knox at the time. Yeah, he was a nothing at this okay? point. He was just past the point of introduction, and, and he was, like, feuding with Mike Knox over Kelly Kelly. Or, but he was getting over it. The crowd reactions were, it was were, were, clear were very that, favorable. Right. It was clear that there was a groundswell for this guy. Um, and, you know, and, and, and Heyman also thought that he can get a match out of Lashley versus Big Show, you know, on TV after Show dropped the title. You know what I mean? Because they, Lashley would face the former champion because Show can claim, look, Lashley never beat me. Right. You know, which, by the way, is another fun wrinkle that they could do with Daniel Bryan and they absolutely refuse to. Which is another parallel because Heyman had this all planned. Look, Heyman said, all right, look, if Lashley has to win this thing, I can at least try to get him over on free TV by beating Big Show. 
because Big Show will have a natural motivation for asking for the match. Yeah. So uh, as was widely known in the company, Big Show would be out of action indefinitely shortly after the pay-per-view anyway. The seven foot 500-pound wrestler had been working on injuries, so Big Show was on his way out anyway. So you could have had Punk beat him at the pay-per-view, and then, and then he could put over Lashley on TV. All of this sounds way too logical, Rich. We can't. Why would they ever do any of this? <laughs> Who's overcoming what odds, Joe? I, I don't. I, I don't get this story. I'm. I'm, I'm too dumb to understand. Well, the story, here's another so. guy who didn't get it. McMahon didn't like that scenario, however, saying that it watered down Lashley's big win. The WWE owner dismissed Big Show himself when he fought for the idea, saying that Heyman had somehow brainwashed the big man. <laughs> you moron. Heyman then pitched that Van Dam and Punk start the match, which would at least create some interest in what was going to happen between them. McMahon said no to that, too. Heyman really worked his ass off that night. I mean, geez. Heyman had... And that's why I thought he was done after. I thought, because I, I know all this, and I thought, that, I thought that's why I thought he was just like, the second that match was over, he was like, yep, I'm done. <laughs> like, like I'm going to do, I'll do my SmackDown, and then I'm done. I am out. I, I, that's why I thought. I can't believe he, at the end, still was trying to, to make this something. That's his baby, though. I get it. That's He was watching his creation just be raped and sodomized. So. Vince's vision for December to December and ECW with Lashley and the Hulk Hogan role. According to now, – now, there you go. For anyone who doubts how hard right. they wanted to push this guy, Vince envisioned him in the Hulk Hogan role. Hulk Hogan, okay? According to more than one person backstage, McMahon's only response to Heyman's objections was that Heyman needed to, quote, Quit being so fucking negative and get with the program. <laughs> Philadelphia crowd. Arn Anderson laid out the plan. Punk would start with Hardcore Holly and then Van Dam would come in and then Tess. The first three out would be Punk, Holly, and Van Dam. Then Tess would battle Lashley until the emergence of the big show. Lashley would have to overcome the two Titans to win the belts. <laughs> Van Dam voiced his hatred of the idea to the surprise of no one, as he had never been shy about saying something that might tick off management. Van Dam's complaints were no surprise, but Big Show is a team player and did his best to work within whatever constraints he was faced. His complaint that he was going too soon uh, was that he was going too soon. He wanted to put over Punk on the way out, and this was his only chance. Sounds pretty reasonable to me. Punk also complained that his quick loss would bury him to the fans watching, but since he did not have enough WWE television exposure to be a star, his opinion did not matter. Even Test said the match would do more harm than good. <laughs> Test is and the one going, hey, come on. And he was one of the guys being pushed in the damn thing. Yeah, Test is like, all right, let's slow down here. Come on. <laughs> Lashley reportedly said nothing, partly because <laughs> – why the fuck would he? Yeah, that partly because a top level run could be a career making break, even if in WWE is clearly established the last brand. Partly and partly because he had seen Heyman already lose the same fight. Listen, <laughs> I don't think anybody would blame Bobby Lashley for keeping his. No, no, I, I would have locked myself in a door, or I would have stuck myself in catering and had you know <laughs> macaroni salad in my mouth the entire. Day. I don't know, whatever, dude, whatever. Yeah. The only other wrestler in the match, Holly, also reportedly had no complaints. McMahon had decided to substitute Holly for Sabu again over Heyman's protests because he yeah. wanted more heels in the match to give Lashley more to overcome. Heyman countered that Sabu's character was that of a high-flying madman, and the brutal chamber would be an ideal showcase for his capacity for aerial violence. McMahon would have none of it. <laughs> so there you go. So. Um, yeah, that's just, I'm not going to read the whole book, but, uh, you get the gist of it. That's what happened, uh, December to dismember. And then of course, uh, you know, at TV, um, you know, 
yeah, uh, that was it for Heyman. He he gave out and gave that promo, which was kind of, if you go back and if you can find it on YouTube or something, he's oh, it's so it's, good. It's, you can tell <laughs> when you, when especially when you know, I mean, and, and when you watched it live, you knew something was. I mean, you could tell there was real passion in there. But knowing all that was going down and knowing the full story, it just makes you appreciate it that much more. That promo, yeah. And uh, you know, it's it, what, the only one other thing that I'll. Uh, I'll throw down here is all of the other compete because remember Heyman was a top he was this was a third brand which at that point wasn't equal to the other two brands but it wasn't that far behind SmackDown and the pecking order at that time I know it's hard for people to believe so Heyman was you know competing with the Brian uh, Gwerts and Ed Koskies and and Michael Hayes of the world uh, in the pecking order you know this he had real stroke and um, you know the, the only other th- excerpt I'll read is it says. SmackDown's Michael Hayes was in a hotel bar when someone came up and told him Heyman was gone. Hayes slugged back his drink and gave a gleeful good riddance. So there you go. Uh, mm-hmm. Michael Hayes, not a big fan, as most people know, of uh, of Paul Heyman. But, yeah, so there you go. I mean, geez, you got Van Dam as Ambrose. You got Daniel Bryan as CM Punk. And you've got, uh, you've got Test and the Big Show as Big Show and Kane. And you've got uh, Roman Reigns as Bobby Lashley. And the parallels are fucking stunning. Yeah. And it's scary. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But this could be another one of those cases where Vince is just completely off the fucking reservation. So, you know, we'll see. But that's the Rumble match. That's Roman Reigns. Yep. All right. Let's break down the Rumble a little bit here quickly because I do want to talk about the triple threat before we get into some other topics. Um, we'll start off with the dark match. The pre-show match with Cesaro and Tyson Kidd defeating the New Day, Biggie Langston and Kofi Kingston, which, by the way, their entrances to the Rumble when when people had already been like infuriated about other stuff and then to have the New Day like uh, it was just the funniest thing in the new, world. when you New just, Day like, sucks chant. And yeah, like, just oh, God, I just felt so bad. Like Biggie should have just like walked up and then like walked right to the back. Like you just knew because it was like five, four, three, two, one. And it's like New Day. It's just like Biggie. And he's just like, I got no fucking chance. New Day like, is what, it's just what, not going to happen. It's uh, yeah, it's it's, it's not going to happen. The, and no. what's funny is the Cesaro got such a strong, strong, strong reaction from the crowd on the pre-show. But if you notice, he came into the Rumble match at a point in time that was so late and the fans were smart enough to realize that he had no chance that he got no reaction. Yeah, they just didn't even bother. Yeah. It's like, you know what? Fuck it. It's no point. They, they, <laughs> they knew he had no shot. They didn't right. even pop for when he put Ziggler in the, uh, the, no, they killed it. Yeah. They, they, yeah. The swing, nobody Yeah, cared. The giant swing. So, which is, is saying a lot. So when you can make, but that was a good match. That you know, that was really good. Crowd. Well, we said that those guys are talented. Everybody in there was Everyone talented. Everyone in there was talented, and the crowd really lifted that match. That was a great example invi- of a crowd lifting a match. Right, they're personally invested in all those people. Could you so. imagine how hot the Rumble would have been if Brian stuck around? That crowd yeah. wanted to be hot. It's really disgusting how this whole show went down. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, the Ascension defeated New Age Outlaws. So they're. <laughs> so does that throw a wrench in our theory that they're they're just a joke because I, I they kind of would win. I'm the one that was telling people, look, they're probably going to win this fucking match, and they're using the old guys to put the Ascension over. But what? But yeah. Then why the fuck did you just <laughs> make fun of them for two weeks? Because, because it's – it's it, look, they, they're, they're, here's the thing. What this did do, though, is confirm the other thing we talked about. This match was how long, Rich? Uh, I don't have the, the time it was in front about of me. But four it, was... Minutes and, it was about four or five minutes. Yeah, and it was, it was bad. Now, how long did it feel? Uh, it felt like 37 minutes. Yeah, and why is that? Because uh, it was off. Because the Ascension and fucking sucks. They sucks. Another thing that was interesting, too, and, and I mentioned it last time, that they don't really have the, the, the look of, like, Destroyers, is that you put them in a match with, with Billy Gunn and Road Dog 
Connor was shorter than Billy Gunn, and Connor's supposed to be the big, and Victor was shorter than Road Dog. Like, yeah. Like these, these little guys, and then Billy Gunn looks like a hulking monster compared to these guys. That's Billy fucking Gunn, and, who, who was bigger than both of these guys and, in height and weight and strength and muscle. And it was just like, God, like these are these are the powerhouses. Like, and if we want to go full PWO here and really break down the nuances of the ring work, <laughs> the, the Ascension struggled with all of the things that we knew that they struggle with. Yeah, they, they suck have, at offense. They have no they can't compelling, beat people they have down. No compelling offense. They look confused. They don't know what to do. It was the same thing in the match against Hideo Itami and Finn, Finn Baylor, or whatever the hell, Balor, Baylor, I don't even know. Baylor, I believe. It was the same thing there. When they were in control, they run out of ideas. There's nothing. They, they don't have the proper offense for a monster tag team. And this four minute and 30 second match or whatever it was felt like it was. God, was that really what it was? It was like four minutes and 30 seconds. Oh, God. Or, it felt like ten, Yeah. It was no. I can tell you this. It wasn't six minutes. Yeah. Let, let me let me find out Wikipedia here. Wikipedia has match times. Yeah. Let me let me fire it up here real you know, quick. Like, I, you yeah, know, I, I went. There, you know, there's some neck beard with a stopwatch, some neck beard Wikipedia editor. You oh, know. I'm glad. I'm glad. they. Right. Right. So, you know, they always have the match. Uh, 525. 525. Yeah. So it was a five and a half minute match. And it felt like a 40-minute match because the Ascension's offense is such shit. They, they, have, they, 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 they struggle terribly with the heel control period. And yep. how can you be a heel tag team in that company with the way they structure their tag team matches if they struggle with that aspect of their work? They just don't come off ferocious or like monsters at all. And, 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 and that's what we talked about last week. And people want these guys pushed? You want these guys pushed? They're fucking terrible. Why would you want this, these guys pushed? All right, we did a half hour on them last week. Yeah, we're, we're good. Yeah, no, no more Ascension talk forever, or for a while, at least. Um, I followed that with the Usos defeating the Miz and Damian Mizdow. This was also just kind of no good. I mean— You've seen it a thousand times. What, what was different? I mean, who— Here's yeah, my problem. I'll give you a problem. Here's my problem with this match, okay? The story of the match is the Miz won't tag in Mizdow, right? Because right. the Miz is cocky. He's a glory hound. And the other aspect of it is he, he sees Mizdow as the weak link. Um, now, here's the problem. The Miz almost won the match by himself. So the psychology is all wrong. By the time that match was over, I was putting myself in the position of someone who, has, who knows nothing about the characters and is watching this for the first time ever. I was born yesterday, and I'm watching wrestling for the first time. To me, the Miz looked like a valiant warrior who was tough as nails, who almost beat the two savage uh, island animals by himself. That's how it came off to me. The psychology was all wrong. If the Miz was going to work the match by himself and refuse to tag Mizdow in, he should have gotten his ass kicked for the entire match. Right. Instead, he nearly won the titles on his own. It doesn't make. And also, sense. the whole idea of of your stunt double and not wanting to tag in the stunt double, but whatever. I'm not going <laughs> to get into the and intricacies. That, and of that it. bleeds in to the next match because then they have the women's tag and Rich. They basically did the same story, <laughs> except in this case, it was it was a little different. It was Natalia catching a beatdown, and she couldn't get to the corner to make the tag. Right, and then right, when right. she finally was able to get to the corner, the Bellas outsmarted them, and they yanked Paige down from the apron. But mm -hmm. two matches in a row. Two Which is a new finisher trope that they're doing now is the, the, the yank from the corner Which, before look, the hot tag Now, here's happens. the thing. I didn't have a problem with the match structure of that women's match. I actually thought it was if the match prior wasn't the exact exactly. fucking exactly. Right, yeah. I remember, you know, come on, agents, let's 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 talk real quick before for we people who follow our Twitter account in the middle of the night when I'm watching grimy, you know, pearl matches. Um, I went on a rant uh, a couple of weeks ago about how about we mix up some of these tag team match structures. How about somebody 
How about uh, the face team never makes the hot tag and they just lose the match? And they actually did that. So from that perspective, I enjoyed the match structure, but it's like you just said. They just did the same thing the match before. They did the same match two matches in a row. What the fuck is going on here? So at this point, the show is is not going well. This this, no. this show is not going well. The pre-show... And then everybody collectively hopped on a Wikipedia or tried to think, oh, wait, how many more matches are left? And everybody decided, oh, shit, that's it. That was our undercard, so... Yeah, but then it got really good. Then they had the Brock Lesnar defeating John Cena and Seth Rollins. A little bit of an, up, uh, an upset, at least in my... I, I, I thought Lesnar was going to win, but I thought something was going to happen after that. Obviously, did not. But this match, my God, this was fucking awesome. What a match. This was... So far and away, the, the best match WWE's had this year, and and absolutely one that I think we're going to, hopefully, because it happened so early that we actually get a little bit of traction later in the year, but I do think 2015 match of the year, this is one that's going to get a lot of votes. This was this was really good. This was very, very, very Brock good. Brock Lesnar was a force of nature in this match, tossing these guys around with the German suplexes early, taking that disgusting flying elbow drop from Rollins from the from the top turnbuckle through the table. Which uh, was so good, too. Rollins, Ro- go ahead, and then I'll, yeah, I'll end Yeah, and Rollins is the other guy. Rollins was awesome. Yeah, that, that was what I was going to say. He was the one that stood out. I mean, Brock Le- you know what you're going to get out of Brock Lesnar, and it's great, and I have a little topic about Brock Lesnar here in a little bit. Cena, I thought, was fine doing what he did. He, he was really kind of fodder for this one, but Seth Rollins, I thought, really stood out here and, and didn't stand out in the way that I think he's he's bound to be this, this top-tier heel. But basically what I saw is that when you want to turn this guy babyface and have him be a big deal, you got it. But either way, a great performer that can get the crowd behind him one way or another. Just really, really good work in this entire match and was was perfect and was at every spot and didn't mess, you know, just just a guy you can rely on. I mean, just I, I loved, 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 loved Seth Rollins in this match. This may have been the best Seth Rollins performance in this company, including all oh, of those absolutely. Shield six mans. I thought so. Yeah. Indiv- yeah, yeah. He was incredible here. Cena in this match was just a guy. John Cena could have been Darren Young. Yeah, he was fodder to be Cena, beat up by everybody yeah, else. He yeah. was just a dude. He he was he was just the other dude in the match, and um, he was easily the third best performer in the match. He wasn't bad. He was just there. It's like you said. He was just there. Rollins was incredible in this match. This this was this may have been his best performance. And and Brock, like I said, Brock was just so good here in every way. Now. One minor nitpick of the match. I can see some people thinking that um, the lack of selling down the stretch, particularly from from Brock. You have Brock went through the table. They brought out the stretcher, which annoyed me. But I can <laughs> I can live with it in this case because they didn't put him on the stretcher. Right, and they also did the 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 guy getting speared through the barricade thing that they do uh, pretty much every two months, which I don't know why they. Yeah. They always do that. Like every two months they do it. Everyone's like, oh my God. And it's like, no, it happens all the fucking time. Like they brought out the stretcher. Wasn't happy yeah. about it. Now, if they would have put Brock on the stretcher and Brock did the old, I'm getting up off of the stretch. Cause that's what really annoys me. I hate that. Story. Yeah. The stretcher, just this merely the stretcher being out. Isn't quite what you know. I would prefer not to see it. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but they didn't put him on the stretcher. So I can live with it. So basically by bringing out the stretcher, what you're saying is that elbow drop nearly killed him. Okay. So he recovers from the elbow drop. They, they they assessed it as broken ribs within minutes, which was yeah exactly. Which is it's like <laughs> he has broken ribs. If the idea is for Brock to get back into the match and then win, well, I'll finish my. Th- I really need to. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so Rollins hits the fucking Phoenix Splash on Cena. Okay, now he missed it by a mile, but who cares? Because it fucking looked great. Okay, it fucking looked. Cool. That's it. WWE always does that. The, the, anytime they do those those really long ones, and I and I, I was I was talking with a guy at work about that. Um, 
one of the things that's always interesting, and, and it goes back to like when Lesnar did the Shooting Star Press, whenever, when a lot of guys do that with the main roster guys, they, they stand so far away from the corner. Whereas when you, re- you really need to be super close to that corner. You mean, and guys mean, don't do that. Mean and where it, Cena was laying? Yeah, where, where Cena was laying. And Kurt Angle did that when, when Brock tried the Shooting Star Press. And it happens a lot of times when, when, when they try to do these big spots in main events with main event guys, is they don't know where to, they don't know where to lay. Cause like you watch, like, you know, you don't watch independent wrestling or you watch ones where, where, where those moves are done, rec- uh, you know, a lot. Those guys are so close to the corner. Sometimes their, their legs are almost underneath the ropes yeah, in a lot yeah. of senses. And, and these guys, because you can't lunge forward and flip, you know, <laughs> like nobody is capable uh, of. All I know is you're right about that because he came up short. He landed, barely landed with his chest on. It, it almost looked bad because he missed. But he didn't miss. Came up a little short. Um, I was just thrilled to see him do that move in a W. And I yeah, and cool. I like the fact that he saved it for this match. You know, I don't need to see him do it every week. Uh, but this was a big spot. You're at the Royal Rumble, and 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 he he did the Phoenix Splash, and it was cool. And I thought what was even better is that's when Brock popped up and sit and made the save. Now here's my problem with I I don't think people are. How can I phrase this? None of what I'm going to say really bothered me, but I don't understand why it didn't bother some people in certain circles who are saying this is a match of the year contender. Because if some of the things that happened in this match happened in another certain company, people would be all over it. Okay. Correct. Brock pops up from that elbow through the table. Okay. To make the save on the pin. Then Rollins hits him with the briefcase in the head twice and lays him out with the briefcase twice. He puts Brock's head on the briefcase and goes to do the curb stomp. And Brock pops up like it's the first five minutes of the match. Puts the guy on his shoulders, gives him an F five, and pins him. Yeah. They were very. They were. They, he he popped up very he quickly. He popped up very. Of, it wasn't. It wasn't the. I am. You know. I, I'm gonna gain strength and I'm gonna get up. It was okay. Let's go. <laughs> Could you imagine if Togi Makabe pulled some shit like that? Could you imagine if Tomohiro Ishii pulled some shit like that? Could you imagine? Like, now listen. I I don't want to derail. Now to me, I didn't give a fuck because uh, to me, the drama of him popping up and hitting Rollins with that F. Was tremendous. I thought. Yeah, and I think a guy like Brock too can can and, and similar to like guys like you mentioned Ishii or Makabe or, or, or different guys in New Japan. Brock has that aura that you know he's such a freaking unbeatable exactly. monster that that it's okay that I don't care that he goes okay let's go you know and and could immediately just say fuck it I got a broken rib but I need to get in there real you quick. Nailed like, it on the head. That's, he's a big dumb moron hulking monster that. Yeah, that's why I didn't care was, either because yeah. it's fucking Brock motherfucking Lesnar and if Brock motherfucking <laughs> Lesnar wants to pop up. After nearly being put on a stretcher and after being hit with a briefcase in the head twice with a steel briefcase like that, <laughs> if he wants to pop right up, it's Brock motherfucking Lesnar, and that's fine. Just like one of the funniest things uh, about Lesnar, and I was mentioning it when I was watching the Royal Rumble with, with, with you know a few guys or whatever, is that it, it's so funny how this guy, no matter what, even if he's got a foot out the door of WWE, and even if he's got a, an MMA contract on the way, that dude, if you give that guy a paycheck, he will do whatever the fuck you want. You know, you know what I mean? Where, where other guys, if they were going to leave the company in three months and or, or something like that, they'd be playing it so safe. Or any guy in general, Brock's saying, fuck it, hit me with chairs, put me through a table, you know, do it. Like, that guy, I remember when he came in Extreme Rules, and that's a guy who didn't need to do that. And just, I'm talking about the, the one with John Cena, obviously, his, 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 you know, his re-debut or whatever. He just went fucking crazy. It's like, dude, you don't have to. And that's, that's what's so great about him is that this is a guy that if you give him a paycheck, he will run through a wall. For this you. is why I don't give a fuck. But he doesn't do a goddamn thing unless you pay this him. This is why. But, well, listen, this is why I don't yeah. give a flying fuck about his part-time schedule. This is why I don't give a flying fuck about how often the WWE title gets defended. Because this title, no matter if he's only defended it two times or whatever it is. It means more now than it has in years yep. because this every match was, with that title is great. And it's because you know this guy it, yeah. works his fucking ass off. Who works harder than Brock Lesnar in a pro wrestling match? Who? Name him. 
Name him. Who works harder than this guy? <laughs> Nobody else turns colors as much. Tell as me who Lowe, works so. harder than this guy, Rich. I do. Why do you always yell at me when I agree? No one works harder than this guy. Why do people complain? That he's I don't never, know. I mean, yeah. And it makes the t- these title matches special. Now, look, if he was having these title matches once every three months and they were and he was going through the motions and he was having Roman Reigns caliber matches or whatever, I could see the complaint. This motherfucker kills himself in these matches. Yeah. Nobody works harder than this guy. Nobody. His matches are great. They're spectacles. Every time this guy steps in the ring, from the moment he came back, he kills himself. Yeah, he hasn't had a normal match. You can't that, question that's his work so ethic. Different. Yeah. You can't question his work ethic. You can't. And had the title means so much now. You know, it, 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 more than ever. It's, this is better than the punk run. Much better than the punk run. And miles ahead anybody else's run. Remember the Randy Orton run? I mean, geez. <laughs> Which one? Oh, oh the most the recent one? one with the Daniel Bryan oh. stuff. I mean, Ugh. could the title have meant less? So come on. Listen, if this guy wants to wrestle once every three months until the end of time, I have no problem. Yeah, if he's going to give me this once every three months, I'm, I'm cool. I'm okay yeah, I'm with it. I'm A-OK with it. This guy's a fucking machine. It's great. These matches are awesome. No, th- this match in particular, I, I really, really love this one. And, and, and you know, I, I don't know what I would give it a rating of. I, 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 at the time, I didn't rate it, so I'd, ha- I'd probably have a little trouble kind of – I'd have to go back and, and sort of look at stuff. But it's every bit of four and a half, I That's would say. Right. I mean, it was – Four and a half. I went four and a half. That's it's fair. As a match of the year contender. Yeah. There's no question about it. Match of the year contender. I wouldn't I wouldn't begrudge anyone who said this was the match of the year. By the end of the year. It's yeah, a little early. It's not even yeah. February yet. We've got at minimum at minimum three matches that have a legitimate chance of I mean, it's crazy. This has been a hell of a fucking month. I don't know if we're ready to say some things, but yeah, let's, no, go ahead. Let's, let's, I sort of put some. It's not my idea. Was it is Taylor Mitchell or Warren Taylor? Uh, Warren Taylor. Warren Taylor was the first one to come up with with the idea, and he it, it was it was an idea of just kind of a, a self contained column or, or or you know monthly thing or whatever. And I think we're gonna make a bigger deal out of it because that's what we do. We make everything much bigger than it probably has to be, but that's what we do. So yeah, and it works out. I think it's been successful. Is that everything we do? We do you know a little bit better or a little so a little more in depth than than usual. So what we're doing here is every month we're going to do uh, a match of the month kind of deal where. Uh, we collect all of the matches, not just among the Voices of Wrestling staff. Of course, we all make our suggestions as to what the best matches of the month were, but also the pulse of the internet and uh, the pulse of uh, of the fans. And and we we gather up all the matches that could potentially be the best match of the month. And obviously, January is going to be stacked beyond belief. I mean, don't expect every month to be like January. I mean, that's no, just not no. going to happen. And uh, yeah, so we're going to do write-ups of all these matches and, and throw little star ratings on them so people could get mad at us when we overrate or underrate everything. And then, uh, But the other interesting thing that we're doing that uh, Josh Engelman put together is he's kind of put together um, uh, ELO ratings. Yes. So for people who don't know, you know, this is a sort of a big thing in the sports community. Um, if you go to like baseballreference.com, they have like an right, ELO right. rater for, you know, the best player of all time. Long story short, what you do is you log in to, the, to this, you, you go into this website and all of the matches of the month that we selected. And I think for January, what do we have about 15 matches? I think it's around 15, 16. Yeah. It's like 15, 16 matches. And uh, you're given the option. You'll get two matches. 
head to head and you simply vote for which of those two matches you thought was better. And there's right. also a third option if you did not see one of the matches. Yeah, if you if you don't want to vote, you 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 don't know. I think it says, you know, I haven't seen any of these matches. I don't know or I don't care to vote. I haven't so. seen one or both of the matches or I can't decide or I don't care is the third option. But you either vote for one match or the other or the or the or the no vote option, which doesn't affect the voting at all. And um, we're not going to get into how, you know, uh, chess ELO ratings work, but you can look <laughs> that up on your own if you want. But and you can vote over and over and over. It's just a random generator. Yeah, you can go 16,000 times in a row and it's not. Yeah, gonna, it's yeah. just going to pair these matches up against each other randomly. And you just you can vote forever. And, and hopefully people do spend a lot of time voting. Yeah, absolutely. And then what we'll do is, I guess, take the... Uh... Well, well, my plan is I'm going to rank them sort of by how our fans vote, and then we will kind of interject. Because I don't want this to be us sort of ranking what we thought our matches of the year were in, in that sense. You, you know what I'm saying? Where I, yeah. I don't know if... Because I might have a different opinion than you do. Warren might have a different opinion. I mean, everybody's going to have a different one. So we're going to do a sort of rank. And, and they're not going to be ranked in the sense that this was the definitive you know, match of the year or no, whatever. No, but no. here's how our fans voted the top 15 matches of January or whatever. And here are write-ups about said matches or whatever right. here's, it, it, here's is, where is the, how we're going to do here's it. Here's yeah. where they ranked on the ELO Raider. Okay. And then each staff member is also doing a little write-up on each match. Right. Exactly. And look, it's not something to get like super serious about, but what, where I, what I, where I do think it's cool is I think people will get in to the idea of being part of the process and voting for the matches. I think people will really get into that. Yeah. And I also think, um, each one of these 12 articles are going to be a tremendous resource come the end of the year when people want to vote for their matches of the year. Because, um, you know, pretty much I would say that probably 90% of all the top-level matches are going to be included in these articles because mm -hmm. they're going to yep. run 15 to 20 matches deep most months. I'm dreading August already. Oh, God, August is going to be the worst. The yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm going on vacation, and it's all up to somebody else. To between, between G1 and SummerSlam and the, the you know. The last yeah, August last year was so, – oh, Bola we had last year. Last year was uh, – August, I, I, I wrote another column. I wrote another column, and I was going through last year, and there's just, like, random – I was like, Noah, why did you have to have two good matches? Like, come on, guys. Right. Like, like you go and look, and you're like, these other companies. It's like, dude, come on, do these in October. Like, Yeah, so – Don't have a good match in August. There's too many already. I don't have time to watch all this stuff. Like – so, yeah, on the back end, we've all been voting already, uh, going through the match generator and sticking our votes in there. And, um, you know, so uh, and we'll have links links to the matches when appropriate as well. So obviously we don't we don't we don't want to completely condone piracy. But there there are times where, yeah, I, you're not going to be able to buy all Japan pro wrestling, you know, it's the most recent event. So we'll, we'll have a link to the match there for you. So, yeah, well, you know, I'm, it's you know, it's I'm not even sure. We're not going to do WWE network stuff and we're not going to do New Japan World stuff. You can buy that if you want to go see them. But, you know. But we, some of the lesser stuff. We do, not really. Right, right. We're not going to give you free links to the to the New Japan or WWE stuff, but we do have links to New Japan World and to right, right. you know WWE Network or whatever you know where you can legally watch the matches where appropriate. So, um, but yeah, so you know. I, Maybe it'll – I think it'll be more clear to people how this all works once we put it out. Yeah, once you see it. Yeah, and you should see it in the next few days. We're, we're going to launch it, I think, the first day of February and then go through the, – that week, voting will be open for that week. And, then and, at the and end look, of the and here's the thing too. People are going to say, well, you know, there's going to be matches that, you know, you haven't seen yet because you – look, it, don't take it that seriously. Look, it's just – Right. It's, it's – it's, you know, this isn't like the end of the year match of the year thing where you, you want to be responsible and make sure you see everything. 
you just treat this as it is. It's just a- this is a resource for people to be so. So at the end of the year, people go and go, oh, my God, what are the best? You know, I don't remember. I didn't watch this. Like this will hopefully be a little bit easier way for people to go. OK, I'm going to watch all the best matches of January. Those are really cool. Jot them down. You know, this is my favorite. Oh, February. You know, that's I'm, I'm thinking of more as a resource. I don't want. And that's why I don't want the rankings. I don't want people to get obsessed with what ranked first and what ranked second and what, you know, and, and even stars at a point. You don't have to care. Think of this as a resource to say, hey, look, here are the 15 best matches of January. That's pretty cool. I'll jot them down. I'll keep this in mind for when I do the end of the year. We just want to make it easier at the end of the year and, and just enjoy wrestling. I mean, there's the biggest thing here is there's probably going to be a lot of stuff that you have not seen that you didn't seek out that you don't, you know, no, I don't know anything about. No, I don't know anything about DDT, you know, that, just watch. And this I mean, that, that's the key Absolutely. now. This will point you to it. You know, when I saw the initial list you guys had, just as a quick example, you know, I looked at my own personal list of, of four star uh, matches or better. And I, and we, we added two or three matches from my list that, that, that none of the other, you know, 12 guys or whoever who came up with had seen or, or, or considered to put on the list. So right there, there's three more matches that everyone's going to be exposed to. So I'm sure everyone who reads the articles and does the voting is going to see some matches that they haven't been exposed to. And yeah, there's th- – listen, every month there's going to be a couple matches missing. Off We're going to miss some stuff. That, that none of us saw or, or rated or, or – you know what I mean? So just don't get wrapped up in that. You know, It's just enjoy it for what it is and have some fun with it. And I, I think people will like it. And I think uh, Josh's ELO rating thing, I think there's a lot of people I think will really get into that and have a lot of fun with it. And, yeah. Uh, probably take it way more seriously than they should and, and – but that's fun, though. Yeah, and there'll be a lot of... I know the baseball reference ELO rating, I, I get caught in a wormhole where I'm just doing that goddamn thing for, like, two hours. Yeah, because you get annoyed, because... Right, right. You see, you know... Uh, You're like, fuck, Willie Mays is third? No, no, no. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. Right. Yeah, like, you, see, you see something ridiculous, and you want to get in there and get it corrected, so... Uh, but, yeah, that's our match of the month thing, and... Uh, you know, one of my big concerns when we were putting it together was, look, sometimes I don't watch matches and yeah, I might not watch everything from January until fucking April. You know what I mean? But then. Right, right, right. But then it, I, I, I then, you know, I had a moment of serenity where I was just like, it's really not that big a deal. If we miss a match right. here or there, it's so what? You know, not a big deal. We'll, we'll have all the all the key stuff will be there. OK, there might be some, you know, uh, grimy match from some grimy Lucha show in in nowhere, Mexico that we miss or there might be some you know, match on a, on a Noah show because they don't air it until a week into the next month or something. Look, there's nothing we can do about that. So Willie Mays is fourth right now in the ELO. I cannot let this. Yeah, you got Ruth Bonds and who? No, I got Ruth, Ted Williams, Lou Gehrig, and Willie Mays. Well, not even Bonds, huh? No, Bonds was up there for, I, I know the last time I checked, he was up well, there. See, so Bond, I don't know what happened, people but. don't vote for Bonds because he's Bonds. Right. You know, if they're just looking at numbers. He's not even in the top 10 right now. Yeah, because they don't like, because they don't like him. We got Ruth Williams, Garrig, Mays, Mantle, Cobb, Aaron, DiMaggio, Eddie Collins, and Napladoy. Well, Eddie Collins is way too high. Yeah, I was going to say Eddie Man- Collins. Mantle's too high. Them. Mantle shouldn't be fifth. No. And that sounds like you're not, but you're saying he's not the fifth best player of all time. No, yeah, the best batter of all time is not. He's not McMahon is not the fifth no. best batter of all time. I mean, he right. just isn't. Pitchers are Walter Johnson, Christy Matthewson, nobody cares about this, Lefty Grove, Pete Alexander, Greg Maddox, Cy Young, Ed Walsh, Bob Feller, Steve Carlton, and Rube Waddell. I'd probably bump Rube Waddell off of that. Good pitcher, but... Rube Waddell, yeah. Um, none of those are jumping out at me as... Rube Waddell is one of my favorite stories. Have you ever, you, have you, you've read the stories. Have you ever read Glory of Their Times? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've read Glory of Their Times. Oh, God, the Rube Waddell stories are the best. <laughs> He's like my favorite player of all time, so... Merkel's Boner. Yeah, everybody knows yeah. about Merkel's Boner. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's not what you think, people. So, or is it? Boner. It's not. I mean, maybe I don't know. Unless they they think of boner. When the first thing that comes to their mind when they think of boner is a 
a boneheaded baseball play, then there, yeah, there maybe. was definitely a different different definition of boner <laughs> in Fred Merkel's time than there is. In, yes. You know, if we were talking about Joe Lanza's boner, it'd be a lot different than, uh, yeah, it's than not, Fred you know. Merkel's boner. So, uh, yeah, Merkel's boner. Yeah. Glory to times. Great book, man. I, Great I, book. Read, absolutely, I read that absolutely a spring, must right? read, a must read before baseball season. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. I got my I got my baseball prospectus today, so I'm, I'm ready to go. You're all fired. Got to read that cover to cover. So I mean, all right. the Pocota ratings just came out, Rich. I know you're all over those yes. Pocota ratings. Absolutely. Especially now that top prospect Gordon Beckham is back in the fold for the Red Sox. <laughs> in the fold. Thank God. Yes. Well, you know, how how did you deal with those two months without Gordon Beckham? Yeah, it was it was tough. I won't lie. Uh, my Gordon Beckham shirt jersey did not get worn one bit. Do you really own a Gordon Beckham shirt jersey? Yeah, I bought it his rookie year when he was really That's good. Fair. That? That's fair. Okay. Yeah, I bought I bought I went because what I do with shirt jerseys. And he was and legitimately I, since, a top prospect. Yes, absolutely. And what I've done with shirt jerseys, I've I've since retired buying any shirt jerseys because I kill everybody. I'll, I'll give you my shirt jersey roster, and then you'll see you know what I do here. But what I always used to do was I would get like guys that are super super young or prospects or whatever, get on the ground floor of that shirt jersey because then I could wear it for five years. Because I went through so long where I was like, yeah, I'm going to buy like a Magler or Adonia shirt jersey and next year gone. You know, I'll buy this guy. Oh, next year he's gone or whatever. So I get ground level. Like I bought a Ricky Weeks when he was like 22. That if didn't you, work out too if well. You get a, yeah, but see, here's the thing. If you get a guy before his arbitration years, you know you've got the, sh- the shirt jerseys good for at least six years. Yeah, and that Ricky Weeks one, I, I, could, I, I wore for the next eight years because he was with the team. Right, right. So, you, so you've, got a, you've got the right idea there. Okay, you got it. I just unfortunately stopped wearing it in public because Gordon Beckham became so bad. So here, here's my shirt jersey roster of the last four years. And you let me know how my how, how well I did. I'll read so, these shirt I, jerseys one to ten. Okay, so I got the Ricky Weeks. Ricky Weeks. Now listen, he had a couple good years there. Uh, he did. He might have been my six, my most successful. I'm gonna story. give Uh-oh. you a six for the Ricky Weeks shirt. Okay. So I got a Grady Sizemore, but mind you, I got it the year before he had all of his health issues. And he since has played like what twenty games in the league. Again, I can't really rip you for it because he looked like one of the best players in baseball. I'm going to give you a six. Okay, then I got Ryan Braun, and then the next year he got <laughs> dinged for uh, PEDs. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd be prepared to give you a nine or ten for that one, but you know his, you know, yeah, he he really looked like a scumbag throwing that specimen collector under the bus too. So right. I've got to ding you for the Braun. I got to push you down to a four. That's fine. And then uh, I got a Freddie Garcia, but that that was just like now, he's now, never going to. When leave. did you get the Freddie Garcia? Uh, the Freddie Garcia, he he still had two years left in the White Sox uniform. So I give you a five for the Garcia. I have no okay. problem with that. I, I was very tempted to get a Jose Abreu, but nobody, all my friends were like, "Do not get a Jose Abreu. Like oh, you're gonna ruin." Because you're a mutt. You're a jinx. Yeah. So I I just don't get so any. You're a sure jersey mutt. So you, yes. they don't want you to get the Abreu because he's gonna. I had a I had Aaron Rowan, and then he got traded. Uh, I think six days oh, you later. You tried to sneak that one in. That gets a two. Yeah, that, that Aaron Rowan is not not one of my proudest ones. Um, Magler Ordonez. Then the next year he left uh, for Detroit. Free agency. Yeah, you should have been smarter about the free agency. I got to give you a three. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't a smart fan then. I, I, I didn't. Now, I, now I'm very. I know arbitration. I know, but yeah. it's too late. It's. I just ruined guys. So there you and go. Gordon Beckham. You know, you got him uh, his rookie year. Yeah, 2009. I bought it. You know, he came, He comes up. He hits like a maniac out of the minors. Now he ended up drafted a, the same year. He's in the majors. He's a phenom going to opposite field, hitting doubles. Settled into replacement level. But yes. but uh, yeah, so I can't completely kill you. Though. I'm going to give you the five. You bought it okay. early. He was legitimately a top prospect, and then he flamed out. But yeah, you don't have a good history with these shirts. No, no. Uh, uh, Jermaine Die is another one I got. But then again, you're a White Sox fan, and post World Series, not a whole lot of shirts. Really, would, would there have been? He was one of the bigger guys. Yeah. Would there be a possible ten though? Who would be a ten? Uh. <sighs> Chris Sale. Oh, I know. If I bought a rookie, rookie of the year, Chris Sale, Sale shirt jersey. Sale would be a big-time shirt jersey. That would be a 9 or a 10. I'll give you another one. Yeah. I'll give you another one. Mark Burley. 
Yeah, yeah. I never bought a burly one. Never did. Everybody, everybody had the burly one. I, I also have to be countercultural. Well, you don't want to go chalk. Right, right, yeah, yeah. right. So, yeah, yeah. You're right, you're right, because Burley's very popular. You know, the thing about Mark Burley is I have no – I'm a National League fan. I don't give a flying fuck about the White Sox, good or bad. They're just completely neutral to me. And there – it was a period of time where he was my favorite non-Cincinnati oh, Red. Best. How can you not like Mark Burley? He just – Game's over in an hour and 40 minutes. He gets up there on the mound and just throws the ball. There's no yep. bullshit. He's the fastest worker in the majors. And you know what else is great about Mark Burley? He throws strikes. Yep. And so, which means once or twice a year, he'll have that game where he gives up nine runs in three innings. Yeah, and he just took it in stride. It was those games were the best. He gave up like fifteen runs in the first two innings. It was just like, eh, and yeah. you're gonna get that out of him now and then, you know. And and because I had the poor man's Mark Burley, I had Bronson Arroyo. Same thing. Every once in a while, he's gonna go up there and get bombed. But these guys just throw strikes. They don't walk. Right, them. and he would stand there for the next seven innings though. Yeah, and they don't, and he control himself, yeah. and he would say, "No, we're not gonna bring in the bullpen. It's over. I lost this game. We're done." So and as sorry. a fan, you gotta love the fact that all they do is throw because they he, Mark Burley never walked anybody. And, uh, you know, if you scored off a of Burley, you earned it. You battled it. You, you, hit, you hit the ball off him, which is what you right. want the opponent to do. You don't want to walk guys. You know, you, you, you wouldn't walk anybody. All right? You didn't get a ton of strikeouts either, but, you know, you knew how to work these. You, you got to like Mark Burley. Oh, Mark Burley's, yeah, all-time favorite. I saw his perfect game as well, live. So that, well, you that were was... live for that. Yes, yes. It was, we, we, <laughs> it's a funny story. We, uh, we'll get into wrestling here in a little bit again, people, but, uh, I'm excited about baseball season. Uh, yeah. So we were there. So my, my buddy calls me the day before and he goes, Hey, do you want to go to the White Sox game? And it was like a day game. And this is when I was in college and it was in the summer. So it was like, whatever. Yeah, I'll go do it. You know, I, I wasn't doing anything, you know, that day or whatever. So I said, yeah, we'll go or whatever. So he says, I got a third ticket. Do you have anybody who wants to go? I'm not joking, Joe. Every single person in my phone book got a text message. Hey, I have an extra White Sox ticket. Can you go? No, I don't want to go. The Sox suck. They weren't very good at that year. No, I don't want to. Yeah, I got, you know, I don't want to. Okay, fine. So I sent a message on Facebook or whatever. Hey, does anybody want to go to the White Sox game? Not a, not a soul said they wanted to go. We get to the game. We still can't find anybody. I'm, I'm calling people up to the minute. Nobody wants to go. We say, fuck it. We see a scalper outside. He go, we say, hey, you know, do you want to buy your third ticket? He goes, yeah, I'll give you uh, five bucks for it. And my Brent goes, yeah, whatever. Take it. Unbelievable. <laughs> like, so then we're watching the game, and my buddy's just like, oh, now, God, like that scalper. Let, just... let me ask you this. Did somebody stroll up to that seat? No, nobody ever did. So the scalper never sold the seat? No, the scalper ne never did. No, we had the, we had our, the full – I think we had the full row at that time. Not, not many people were at that game. In Chicago, it's kind of a funny joke where, like, 90,000 people say they were at the game. Yeah, yeah. But when I was there, there was there like 16,000. But yeah. right. you were there. You got the ticket. I got the you ticket got framed with a picture. Yep. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. That's that's really awesome. I, you know, that, that's... Yeah, nothing will top that. That was that was the all-time great baseball moment yeah, there. That's so. big time. Except I didn't know it was a perfect game until the end. I said, whoa, no hitter. And I went, oh, shit. Wait, he didn't walk anybody. Because like, nobody was saying anything about it. And then it ended. And I was like, sweet, a no hitter. And everybody's like, no, it's oh, a perfect game. I was like, oh, fuck. Right. Burley never walks anybody. Yeah, the game was over. I think the game started at uh, 105, and I think it was we were in the car at 305. I can only imagine how fast a Mark Burley perfect game. <laughs> yeah, well, I think people. it went. I think it went an hour and 35 minutes, or some ridiculous. Like it was. We, we were like I had the rest of the day to do whatever I wanted. I was like, yeah, because usually baseball is a fucking chore if you go to it. Like you get the yeah, you get the wrong game with the wrong managers with the wrong starting pitchers. You could be sitting in. Yeah, we got, we're doing the the bullpen. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes these White Sox games I go to, I don't get home until like midnight, and, and the game started at seven. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, extra. I went to the Billy Hamilton's first start. He's, his first ever start was in Houston. Two, uh, the year he got called up in September. 
okay? It's, oh, it's yeah, for yeah. The, okay. With the Houston. I went with my brother that game. We went 15 innings. That was the game he went um, four for five, five stolen bases, two doubles. This was his first start, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, which was great because I could always say I was at that game. And, uh, interesting game to be at. But, uh, but yeah, it went about 15 innings, and Dusty mismanaged it. And whoever the Houston manager was at that time was playing lefty-righty. It was, it was in September, so there was 1,000 guys in each bullpen. So you can only imagine. They were making pitch changes. Right, right. Uh, yeah, that, that had to be. even though the Houston was probably out of the playoffs by about thirty games uh, by that point. But. Yeah, I mean, geez, I mean, you know, Houston—they've been terrible. Was that Cecil? Was that Bo Cooper? No, well, it was. It wasn't last year. It was the year before. It was 2013. So it was. was uh, it, it was. Uh, it was an interim manager because uh, whoever started the year had been fired. I don't even um, remember who their manager. Yeah, I don't remember <laughs> who their interim manager was. But uh, but yeah, so it was a total. If it wasn't for Billy Hamilton's incredible debut performance, uh, an absolute shit show. But I'm someone who refuses to ever leave a game early. I'm that guy. That's uh, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I'm that I'm guy. Right I never too. leave any sporting event early. I don't care if it's a hundred point deficit. The nurse, the nurse is not happy about it either. I always say, I, if we leave and something big happens, I will never let it down. I, like if, yeah, if, I, if we're down fifteen and they, you know, there's there's two grand slams in the, the the bottom of the ninth and a stolen base to win it. Like I don't care. I'm just like no. I I, I don't want to ever miss a moment. I'm like, there till the final till the final out or the final buzzer. I am. You know what I am? I am. I paid for my ticket, guy, and I am gonna get every your sunk cost. Your your regardless of sunk cost, I'm getting my money's worth. Absolutely. Guy. I am. I am staying until <laughs> the bitter end of whatever game this is, regardless of weather outcome. Doesn't matter. I don't leave early. Uh, we can break down the Pocota ratings of all 30 major league teams. Where we can, <laughs> Let's yeah. We can get back. I'll I'll start. I have the book right here. So let's start with the Arizona Diamondbacks. <laughs> AJ, the poor, poor, poor saps who are going to listen to this show before the timestamps, especially our European friends. <laughs> yeah, will sorry, especially guys. have no interest in that uh, 20 minute baseball diversion. But uh, hopefully Joe Gagne will get the uh, the timestamps up in a timely manner. Uh, what do we have left on the docket? Rich? Well, here, actually, real quick, you, you were, we were talking about match of the month before we, we veered. Let, let's talk about our match of the year countdown, which uh, we finally released uh, last week. Um, you know, the final countdown, uh, top 10, all the other good stuff. Uh, general thoughts before we kind of talk about specific matches. What did you think about the voting? What did you think? Were you surprised by, by you know, AJ Minoru Suzuki obviously was number one. Um, what did you think about overall? Uh, how the countdown went? The top ten matches that surprise you, disappointments, any of the overall thoughts. We, we're not going to break them down exactly, you know, no. you know, match by match, but but overall thoughts. I mean, I, I kind of figured AJ and Suzuki would win. Um, I think kind of everyone kind of figured with a gun to their head that was the match that was going to win. And look, I know it's randomness of when the votes come in, but um, you know that match was not in first place for a large chunk of the process. And it started. Yeah, it, it started out quick. It started out real good, and then then was second for a long, for a long time. Long stretch of time. The Nakamura Okada G1 final actually opened up about a twenty point lead at one point. And look, like I said, that's just randomness of when the votes come in. So sure, it really sure. doesn't mean anything. But it's fun to watch play out if you were you know in on the spreadsheet. So um, I, I did think for for a while there, and then I was considering, hmm, who hasn't voted yet? Which way are they likely to go? And I really thought Nakamura Okada had a shot, but then the AJ Suzuki match got a bunch of first place votes on, uh, I think the day before, no, two days before the voting closed and it pulled away and built an insurmountable lead. So I wasn't surprised that that match won. Nothing in the top 10 really surprised me. Um, what do you think about Neville Zane? That was one that I know a bunch of people. I, I voted as my number one match there, and I had people saying, I, I, you know, I wouldn't have put that anywhere near. I didn't think it was very well, good. It you know, it was, that one seemed to be the most polarizing one of our top it 10. Was. It was. Look, I didn't vote for it, and it wasn't in my top 10, but I wasn't surprised it finished in the top 10. Not at all, because people loved that match. Mm -hmm. Number one, people loved it. 
And it was a great match. And number two, it was fresh in everybody's minds. So it was going to do a little better than, you know, something like Zane Cesaro, which I think finished right behind it or right in front of it. I think. Uh, Zane Cesaro, yeah. Zane Cesaro was five and then uh, Neville, uh, Neville Zane was four. So Right. So, uh, you know, that match was in February. I think if one of them happens in December and one happens in February, maybe you get different results. Maybe you don't. I don't know. Look. I didn't vote for it, but there was a bunch of matches in the top 10 I didn't vote for. But, like, I didn't vote for um, uh, Atlantis versus Ultimo Guerrero in my top 10. But I absolutely knew it was going to finish in the top 10. And I absolutely have no problem with it finishing in the top 10 either. You know, just because I didn't vote doesn't mean I don't think it deserves it. Um, Another match which which for me personally was puzzling, and I know you voted for this match too. And in reality, I don't know if you're looking at the spreadsheet, but I think it got, you know – close to 60% of the ballots it appeared on was the, uh, the Wyatt's versus the shield from, I want to say uh, elimination chamber, from elimination, elimination chamber. chamber. Yeah. Okay. That match finished what fourth or third, third. That was shockingly third. I mean, third. I voted for it. I think I forgot where I put it, but, but when those votes kept coming in and I went, huh, huh. Like I was thinking like something was wrong. And it, like, I, that was the one where every single day I would look at it. And I went, no, no, no. What, what happened here? There's no way. And it just kept, kept it, being it, there, kept being well, there. The thing- it fell for a little bit. And I said, okay, there it goes. It's going to be at its rightful place, you know, eighth, ninth, 10th. And then last votes came in and it, it was third. It was, it was pretty the crazy. I mean, was, it, was, it was on, it was a distant it third, was but on a lot of ballots. Yes. It, it, yeah. It was, um, it sh- let me get the exact number here. It was on, uh, it appeared on 35 different ballots. So was that the most or was AJ Suzuki the most? Uh, AJ Suzuki was the most. Yeah. Uh, Do a quick little total ranking here just to get an idea. Uh, I'm sorry. One sec. Yeah. AJ uh, Minoru Suzuki was first. uh, Nakamura Okada was second. And then uh, Neville and Zayn was actually third. And then the Wyatts and Shield was fifth or fourth, fourth rather. That was the only match in the top 10. The Wyatts and the Shield from Elimination Chamber. That Mm -hmm. was the only match in the top 10 that I didn't have in my top like 400 or whatever, because I didn't have it. I didn't have it. First of all, I, I, I track everything four stars or better. And I had at least, I don't know, 300 matches that I had over four stars this year. And that wasn't one of them. So it wasn't in my top 300. Um, and honestly, I remember watching it at the time, everybody going batshit crazy for it. And me thinking to myself, really, I don't, I don't get it. But then I mm-hmm. didn't think about it again. I just said chalked it up to eh, whatever because I don't you know who spends time thinking about these things. So then the end of the year comes <laughs> and everyone's voting for it. Now I, I I expected it to do well, and then when I saw how well it did, finishing third, I said all right I gotta go back and watch this match. So I fired it up after I saw the uh, this was after the results of the voting was over. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I knew where it finished, so I fired it up. I said maybe I didn't get this match a fair shake, and I watched it again. Rich, I still don't get what people love about this match. And since you voted for it, I'd like yeah. you to explain what the fuck is the fascination with this match. I, like, I'm not trying to troll. No, I agree. I'm, no, I'm no, not, absolutely. Listen, it's, it's... I'm not trying to be a dick, but quite honestly, I'm not sure it'd be in my top 500 matches of the year. To me, yeah, I think I'll... I'll say one more thing, and I'll, then the yeah. floor is yours. To me, this match to me was no different than a million other trios matches that we saw on Raw over the last year and a half. I don't know what made this one special. So I'd really like you to explain it to me. Yeah, I think a lot of it was the crowd. I, I, and, and people don't like to say it. People like to you know bring up specific things, this, this, and this. I think a lot of it was the crowd. And that initial reaction of well, you fire up the video, you fire up, you know, you watch the promo video, you see the entrances and the crowd's already chanting, this is awesome, before they even touch. And I think people can admit, you know, the people aren't going aren't to say that. The people that voted for it are probably going to say, no, it was because of this, this, and this. 
you can admit that the crowd gets you hyped up. And when the crowd's going crazy, the matches feel a lot better and they feel more important. And that's absolutely when I watched it. When I watched it live, I was I was at uh, at a bar watching it, so I didn't really get the audio as much. So when I was done with it, I said, yeah, it, it was okay. It was I enjoyed it, you know, like those other trios matches. But I don't think I liked it as much as maybe other people did when I was reading on Twitter. I'm going, okay, yeah. Then I rewatched it, you know, not being at a bar, listening to the audio, watching on my TV, and it was like this crowd had enthralled you so much because they were so into it at the time. And that, that made every little thing seem a little bit more important about it. I thought it had, I, I get your point about the trios matches that it, that it was relatively similar to the other trios matches we saw, but I do think that, that there was just, there was a little bit more to it. And I think a lot of it was the atmosphere. I thought the crowd was, was really incredible during all of it, which made everything that much more important. It made every, you know, it made when Rollins does a tope, it, the crowd goes ape shit. When, when there's, when there's certain face-offs between certain guys, the crowd goes crazy. And, and I don't think you got that necessarily on, on a normal, episode of raw or with that normal trios match i think a lot of it was atmosphere and when you look at a lot of the the the, the blurbs too that's what people agreed too they said you know an outstanding atmosphere um you know dean ambrose playing a good baby face and the reason he was able to play a good baby face is because the crowd is way into him and and, and seth Rollins, you know is a, is a great you know has great offense throughout the entire thing you know i i really i i enjoyed it a lot and i think a lot of it was the atmosphere i thought it was way different than a raw atmosphere if that makes sense and and, and i value that a lot and and people criticize me because i say look when the crowd goes ape shit i you know part of me goes nuts too and I, i'm kind of a a, a a stooge in that sense where you know sometimes even if it's a really good match and the crowd's sitting on their hands i, I can't enjoy it as much but when they're going crazy i appreciate it a lot more and i thought a lot of that was the atmosphere no i'm, I don't I'm with know. you all the way on that the the, the the crowd matters a lot to the quality of a match Mm -hmm. And I think it really, 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 because this one was not on my radar whatsoever until I rewatched it. Because, like you said, I watched it at the time. I watched it at a bar, and it was like, yeah, it was okay. It was like a good trios match, but but I could live without it. Then I watched it, you know, I watched it again on rewatch with the crowd and with that atmosphere and with them just living and dying by every tag, every single guy coming in, every single move. The crowd was going crazy, and that was is when you get really invested in. It. You get really invested in the storyline, the feud, and all that sort of stuff. And that's that's what builds up a match. That's what when I think of looking at a match of the year, I look at you know what was technically good, what was all, and then I look at hey, was this a big deal? Did the crowd care? Was it a good feud? Was it something you know? And this absolutely ticked those boxes for me.